Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Monday, January 29th, 2018. I just blew out Joe's headset. <laughs> I gotta tell you, thanks to you, thanks to you, the supporters of this program, we are streaming out high quality audio. I mean, the highest quality. We're talking t- television station, Fox News level, uh, that quality audio. Now, it's compressed at YouTube, it's compressed at uh, various other outlets, but this is as but this is as close as we sound to real life, all right? And it's because of you that we were able to obtain this piece of equipment and get it in here and Eric spent the entire day with his head tweaking all these knobs, dials, buttons and everything and I just want to say thank you. He's still tweaking it, so um Thank you. Thank you to everyone. Now, that sound you are hearing out there, you're starting to hear this, these, it's, it's almost like, like little balloons, small balloons right now, just popping. You hear it? Those pops that you hear are the heads exploding of the deep state swamp creatures and the and excuse the expression but the pucker factor of the members of the deep state is rising and rising and rising let me tell you something my morning show today and a video that I did all hell is about ready to break loose this week today is day 375 of the Donald Trump presidency 375 days of uh, draining the swamp. Now, you may, th- I'll tell you what, I've learned a lot this weekend, um, about what's really going on in, in behind the scenes. And a lot of what's going on behind the scenes, you've got infighting within the Department of Justice. Uh, you've got some appearances that, that the optics within the DOJ not telling the whole truth. And of course, leading off with today's news is Andrew McCabe being removed, stepping aside, shall we say, to keep his dignity, stepping aside. Yeah, early retirement. Forced out, depending on who you listen to. It depends, right. We're going to go over that. But, um, so, before, Joe, before we get into this, yes. They voted. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Might as well, might as well hit it running. Go ahead. They voted to release the memo with the House Intelligence Committee today, and the counter memo was voted not to be released. Adam Schiff gave a press conference earlier, uh, about 40 minutes ago, and talked about how this is irresponsible, but the uh, Devin Nunez memo will be released. All we need now is the thumbs up from the president, which there's a five-day grace period. It, it, he's it's, already, it's already given, yeah, and I'm going to tell you right now, before Hannity goes on the air, he's going to have that, that memo. I bet he will, yeah. Okay. Uh, we've got the inside scoop. In other words... Let's just assume for a moment 
that the memo gets released and, and gets in Sean Hannity's hands today. Well, let's hope it's just released, period. Well, it, it will be. But, you know, we will have it within seconds after it gets to that, after it gets to Sean Hannity. I, it, just trust me when I tell you this. And this, look, this is why McCabe stepped down, stepped aside. Oh, yeah, because Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, it is said that he read that memo. He went over to uh, the House and read that memo yesterday, on Sunday. And by 12 o'clock today, McCabe was out at the FBI. People at CNN were saying this is Trump's fault because of the amount of publicity he has brought, negative publicity he has brought to the FBI, and he has pressured McCabe to step aside. And I don't know if you saw this. This is ridiculous, seen, by the way. Did you see the, the other argument that has come out on NBC that Trump allegedly asked McCain to ask his wife how he, how she felt to lose uh, the political campaign she was in? And, McCabe and, or McCain? McCabe. And the he responded by saying yes sir to Donald Trump this is what's being reported I'll get to this Look, report but it's none, just absolutely none, crazy none of this and they're not going to be able to come up with the counterpoints and propaganda to spin this the way that okay. they want to right now the importance of this this FISA revelation cannot be understated I did a video today um, it's a five it's a five minute video I would ask humbly that you that you watch it and um spread it among social media because this right now what we're seeing today is the beginning this the release of this FISA memo and, and the documents that are the foundation for this memo the, 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 there's a lot of there's tens of thousands of documents that went into this four page executive summary as well as a number of interviews the foundational documents will be also released not today don't now listen carefully to what I'm saying they will be released in increments. All right. This is on on the word of, of somebody inside the FBI that that I've been talking with that who is watching this from a, from a distance down the hall, shall we say, and and just watching people just go absolutely crazy. Donald Trump has successfully and is successfully weeding out members of the deep state. Now this this implicates Barack Hussein Obama, Hillary Clinton. Um, Fusion GPS, McCabe, Rosenstein, Comey, um, just to name a few. Also struck in Page as well. Named? Yes. Within the body? Perhaps. But uh, also in the footnotes and in the foundational documents. Others are named as well. They're disclosing that this is a political assassination of Donald Trump. I would ask you also to to be aware, and and I'm as crazy as this sounds. The word assassination, political assassination, do not discount something worse. And and that can be within the text messages, the fifty thousand text messages between Struck and Page. Um. Now, uh, a couple of things before we get really rolling here. Of course, hour two tonight is going to be uh, Laura, Loomer. Laura Loomer, and then hour three is going to, we're going to be joined by Lisa Haven. Yeah. All about current events, all about the very issues that we are, that we are covering. Also, Laura Loomer's got some news about Las Vegas. 
As well as what's going on in Washington. Right, right. But we're the, the, the primary focus, and, and the minute we get our hands on that four-page memo, it's called a memo. It's really an executive summary. It's it's a summarization of the underlying documentation. But as soon as we get our hands on that, it'll go on our website, and we will, if necessary, read it. Okay, because it's that important. The this week, starting off this week, again, heads are, are exploding, and this is going to. But but understand, this is also the most dangerous time in modern American history. You've got cornered rats that um, they, they've got no way out, and Donald Trump has played this, in my view, brilliantly. You're going to hear some commotion within the Department of Justice, Joe. You said that DOJ um, they were they were not wanting the memo to be oh, no. released. They, if you remember, even Sessions issued a statement, right, saying how this could be dangerous and and have national security implications, which I don't agree with at all. Don't read too much into that. That's what this is. What I'm getting. Don't well, read too be much into it, regardless of right. what the DOJ says now. So right, there's there's some posturing going on, political posturing. Now I'm going to take you back, or well, before we do, um, I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, heard the news. I received a call early Saturday morning um, from Steve Quayle that Greg Evenson passed away. Now Greg Evenson was supposed to be on the show Monday. Monday, right? And um, he's been sick for a while. He's yeah. been battling a number of of health issues, and we got word. I think it was last. Thursday, John, if I remember right, that he needed two more surgeries. Right. And he's been, um, he's been, he's had a number of surgeries and he's, uh, slowly been deteriorating, but hanging in there. And then, you know, you get the word this weekend. Yeah. And, and I spoke with Steve, S- Stephen, uh, uh, Steve Quayle and Greg Evenson were talking right up through the hours before Greg Evenson passed away. And, um, there's a tribute tribute video on Steve Quayle's YouTube channel that you can watch. I would recommend that. And um, you know, he, he's a guy that I spent some time with in Montana, and uh, I've spoken to off air a uh, former law enforcement officer, just a tremendous man. I the first time we met him was in Montana, yeah. And he gave probably one of the best speech. I mean, yep. We were there with Russ Dizdar and Steve Quayle and Coach Dave. That's the first time we saw Coach give a speech. And Greg Evenson was there also. Uh, Pastor Langford was there. And Greg gave um, one of the more powerful speeches from his own life experience as a state police trooper, yep. a Kansas state trooper, and uh, from his detailing from his partner died to his uh, faith walk that you know brought him to where he was in that moment in Montana. And it was probably one of the best speeches of that whole weekend. And that's where we met him. And, uh, Steve, and Steve and I were talking and... He asked me if I remembered. Um, I, I think you were there. It was Steve and Greg, and I think you and I, we were talking, uh, uh, you know, talking in, in one of the rooms, and, and he was giving a lot of information about his experiences as a as a state trooper. And, but Steve also mentioned about that, that, that speech, and... and um, Boy, I'll tell you something. It's just keep Liz, his wife, and his family in your prayers, please. And Steve will be joining us at some point uh, this week, I believe you said, to talk about uh, Greg and what he has done in his life and their friendship and, and the ways that Greg has uh, touched other lives. Right. 
So that now, would be the the funeral is Saturday, I guess. Uh, that I, I thought it was Friday. Michigan? Yes, in Michigan. When I spoke with Steve uh, Saturday or Sunday, I spoke to him all a couple times this weekend, and I thought it was going to be Friday, but apparently it's Saturday. So, um, again, please, uh, you know, watch for updates on stevequail.com and also keep keep the family in your prayers because he was, but he was he was, but Greg was ready to come on our show on Monday. He was all all set to go, and it was only at the last minute he said, "I can't do it, can't do it." And, um, yeah, we understood. But anyway, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so, so that's, but we were also talking too, and, and, and this is kind of a message to everyone in the audience as well. You know, we're losing a lot of people, a lot of good people. Um, just over the past couple of years, how many people have we lost? And are there people that are coming in and filling the ranks? Uh, of the same caliber, and I think there are many of you out there are, are are filling that void, and for that we thank you. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. By the way, portion of this broadcast brought to you by Seat Geek. Want to welcome Seat Geek to uh, our family of, of sponsors. SeatGeek dot com. That's SeatGeek dot com. Use promo code Hagman for twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. More on that later. Now, the um, Joe, I just wanted to, wanted to start out by by saying this. Uh, I, I remember in 1975 uh, the church committee hearings. Now, back then there was no internet. There were there was there was no citizen journalists. We had to get what we got from the mm-hmm. from the network news. It was Frank Church, a Senate Democrat from Idaho who led hearings on the Senate side now, the Senate Intelligence Committee, about the abuses, surveillance abuses, at the hands of the CIA and the FBI back then. And I remember the Democrats were just outraged. The progressives, what we would call the progressives today or then, they were outraged at the surveillance abuses. Yet today we find on the House side the very same abuses, except exponentially worse and refined since 1975. That was 43 years ago. And of course, that's when we found out about Operation Mockingbird or about that same time concurrent with that and the placement of CIA and intelligence assets into all of the network television and print media. And if you remember, those people who remember that that, uh, series, I, I don't remember how long it was on television, it was called Lou Grant, and it had Edward Asner as the star. Regardless of what you think of him as a person, it doesn't matter. But there was one episode in the, in Lou Grant, and again, this is the late 70s, maybe, when this aired on network television. It was a, uh, it was a, an hour long drama where it was, um, and Lou Grant was the editor or, uh, uh, contributing editor or section editor of a newspaper, and it, it kind of it was uh, fashioned off of uh, like the Washington Post, I think, but it was on the West Coast, if I recall correctly. But there was an episode where they were wondering, "Wow, is there a CIA asset or operative in our organization?" And the uh, the owner of the paper or the guy that was 
running the paper for the woman. And again, think, uh, you know, Washington Post, Catherine Graham, uh, essentially acknowledged that there was without saying as much. Now, think about that as it stands today. Think about, and I, I dedicated my show to part of, or part of my show to this. Uh, th- think about today. Think about people such as Anderson Cooper. Think about people such as, uh, well, I mean, insert name here. And what are we seeing? We, we see the media pushing this, this Russian collusion story. On whose, on whose advice or on whose prompting are they doing it? And of course it's the deep state. It's the intelligence agencies that are doing this. So the bottom line is this. It hasn't gone away. It's only getting worse. And we are seeing the continuation of Operation Mockingbird. So henceforth in this program, the Hagman Report, at least from my end, Joe, and it's going to be up to you whether you, you want to sign on to this or not. I will no longer refer to the mainstream media as mainstream media. Okay, it's going to be Mockingbird Media. Mockingbird Media because it has not changed. So, no longer the mainstream media, it's always Mockingbird Media. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But think back to the church committee, uh, the United States Senate Select Committee to study governmental operations, uh, with respect to intelligence activities. In the findings back then, the CIA, the NSA, and the FBI, as well as the IRS. What's changed? Nothing has changed. So all of your friends who are on the, on the far left during dinner, during the, uh, uh, upcoming uh, picnics and such, you, you've got some ammunition. Look, it was back in 1975. Look up the church committee hearings. Look up the, uh, Operation Mockingbird. And there it is. It's not a conspiracy theory. It is actually, um, it's the truth. And it's revelations. So what we're seeing today is almost, almost the same as we saw 43 years ago. Except this is much worse. And this, what we're going to see from this memo, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Joe. What we're going to see from this memo, names being named, and the weaponization of our intelligence agencies by Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, but Obama in particular, who on the way out the door, and well, during his time, and on the way out the door, uh, made it so, made the ground fertile, and, and the permitted surveillance of a political opponent, of a non-Republican, yes, there's that word, but we have to use it, and um, used intelligence assets including but not limited to John Brennan, Comey, and then of course the, the under, um, the, uh, people within the top level management of both the FBI and the CIA as well as the NSA. The way they had in this is Mike Rogers, NSA Admiral Mike Rogers, who on the 17th of November 2016 notified Donald Trump that he was under surveillance and had a meeting at Trump Tower the following day, November 18th. You watched um, Donald Trump leave Trump Tower, go to his uh, move the operation his operations to the Bedminster uh, Golf Course Resort in New Jersey, and this was a direct result of Mike Rogers saying, "Look, you are not safe here. You are under surveillance here, as well as, of course, the electronics over the phones, but specifically there." And that's what we're seeing today. This this visa memo, this four-page executive summary, is going to lay out the 
money, um, when you follow the money, it's going to go right back to the DNC, which is nothing more than the Hillary uh, camp. And it's going to be with the approval, the knowledge, and even at the direction of Barack Obama. So everything we are seeing, and this is the important thing that we need to understand, this is not just about Hillary as a candidate. This is not just about the collusion story, which is a cover for all of the surveillance. Mm-hmm. This is Obama gate to the max. So, absolutely. And think of, let's talk about this a little bit because, uh, there's a lot going on and it's all related to each other. One, the, as we said, the FISA memo has been voted to be released. Now it has to go to the White House for approval. And we believe that will be a very uh, quick one, two step process. Then it can be released to the American people, maybe even as soon as tonight. So you had, uh, today, right when we were recording our daily show, the news broke Andrew McCabe out at the FBI. And we went over a number of scenarios about the, how, what the reaction to this was going to be from the Mockingbird media. And we have already seen all those come to fruition. This was, uh, you know, Trump has forced out McCabe. Uh, it's Trump's fault for creating this toxic environment in the FBI. On and on and on and on. Not the real truth that the FBI director, Christopher Wray, read the FISA memo yesterday. Uh, the White House called him in and said, go read this memo. Got into work today, and by noon, McCabe was uh, was out. He was scheduled to retire on March 18th. He had already announced his retirement. There is absolutely no reason that he would leave, you know, six weeks early, um, based on the fact that he was going to retire just in, in on March 18th, unless there is something that's going to come out. And I believe they already knew the, the they knew yesterday that the memo vote was going to be today at five. They knew it was going to be vote that they had enough votes to get the memo released. 13 to 9. I think after the FBI director saw the memo, and it's not only about McCabe. There is a lot of talk about what is in the memo pertaining to Rod Rosenstein. Yeah, there, there's going to be more falling, more And dominoes. he might be in some real trouble here yep. uh, based on the reporting. But it seems like they knew this was going to happen. So the media, on the heels of, of the Grammys, which was a... <laughs> I can't even say what I'm thinking... It was just a crap show, okay? <laughs> the lowest Talk about ratings, an S-hole place, right? The lowest ratings in history. Just like all the other award shows we've seen in the last year, year and a half, all about Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton even made an appearance reading the book Fire and Fury at the Grammys. Struggling for like relevance. Right. What, yeah, struggling for relevance like, uh, like others I know. But go ahead. So how is the media going to spin... What's about to happen in the next 24, 48 hours? They started this whole Russian hacking, Russian meddling, now Russian collusion. We even know it's going to come out that the Mueller investigation was based on the misrepresentation of information to the FISA court. That's what this whole memo is about. And, and so Rudolph Contreras, or, yeah, Rudolph Contreras was the FISA court judge. Remember that name. Go ahead. So remember, uh, this is all about, this has been about the whole Hollywood media and political establishment coming against Trump in a very public way. And they tried covertly uh, to take him out by spreading disinformation by this Russia investigation. It didn't work. Now, after a year, year and a half of pushing this narrative, they have lost the momentum. They don't have the truth on their side. Not that they have in a long time, but they've been very successful in being able to spin their lies. 
what are we going to see coming out uh, after the release of this memo? One, we know that not only is, was the memo voted to be released, but the counter-memo, if there ever was one, by the left was voted not to be released. We know that Adam Schiff put up four different resolutions uh, to protect FBI sources, to protect FBI methods, and a few other things. They were all denied in this vote. What is going to be uh, the the attack point from the left? This is so important to understand because if you can understand this ahead of time, you can pretty much understand their arguments ahead of them even putting them out most of the times. So one, they're going to say this is a personal uh, vendetta that Trump is carrying out against the FBI. We've been hearing that all day today. That's nothing new. But it's going to get much more intense as the memo is released. They're going to try to make this more about the memo and the contents of the memo being biased and partisan because they're not the actual pieces of information. Facts are biased. Facts cannot be biased. So this is my question. The documents that were used to make to compile the memo. We know there were thousands of classified documents where de- the important details were gathered from those documents to put into this memo. Will or can there ever be a release of the original documents? So there would be no question as to what was in There that. will be, but they will be redacted. Okay. Th- th- that's the information I've gotten. But go ahead. We continue. also have the, the Attorney General's report that is going to come out, and I have a strong suspicion that it is going to be very similar to what Devin Nunez puts out in this memo, or what he put together in this memo. Now, we have um, seen a number of reactions. Adam Schiff is the one who actually did the press conference about the memo being released, which is kind of ironic, seeing that he's the one who put together the counter, counter memo. He's the one who has been saying this is just, uh, you know, basically Devin Nunez's, Devin Nunez's personal opinion. So watch that clip, because uh, many people are saying that he sounded very scared or timid, uh, wouldn't look at the camera. And we're going we're gonna to pick up on this on the other side. We're up against the break. But again, the, the House committee voted to release the memo. Andrew McCabe is out at the FBI. The left media, really today, it, I mean, it was, it was so sad to watch them. They weren't even good at getting their spin down. It was, it was obvious to anybody who was watching it. Where, what would their arguments be from here when the contents of that memo is released, when it shows that Rod Rosenstein is going to be in hot water? Can they still, will they still be able to argue it is a personal attack by Trump against the FBI? We're going to talk about this when we come back. You're listening to this Monday edition of the Hagman Report. Don't go anywhere. Monday, 29 January, a day to remember the week that begins at all. This is this is the start of the blood drawing. The super blue moon. It's the first time uh, yes. this week we're going to have this blue moon in 150 years. Once in the blue moon. Yep. And many people. The last time we had this was during the Civil War. So. Well, there you go. What should that tell you, right? And. and, and I, I do believe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski should be on suicide watch, perhaps um, others as well. 
uh, of the you know Chris Matthews uh, most assuredly. Uh, yeah. What's her name? Rachel Madcow. Uh, you can't watch um, for the suicide yet. You got to watch till their counter arguments fail, oh, and then oh, you yeah. watch for the suicide. Because okay. once they know they can't be effective with their with their sh- same uh, you know talking points, their same spin, then you got to watch because this is how they they've been relatively effective in their lies with about forty percent of the population. Interesting. So we'll see where this goes from here. And one thing I've said yeah. last week is. It doesn't matter if you support Trump or not. One thing that makes this whole political scandal different is it doesn't matter if what side of the aisle you're on politically. We all have to be able to agree that uh, trying to undermine a president with phony surveillance, uh, trying to, to well, entrap the president real, in a scandal. The, the yeah, pretext real, was phony. Exactly. That this is not a partisan issue. This is a, a legal national security issue. It should be non constitutional issue, right? Y- yes, and, and you make a good point there. Good points all, and, and so for any, and, and I'm absolutely amazed, but I shouldn't be, I guess, at the lack of respect that is shown by by the progressives to Donald Trump, President Donald J. Trump. Imagine if it would be the Republicans or the conservatives showing this lack of respect to Obama. Yeah, that would was, never. I mean, you'd have been tarred and feathered. Yes, and that's an interesting phrase, considering the, well, and considering everything, folks. I want to tell you about uh, an experience I've had with SeatGeek.com. Very positive experiences we all have in the studio with SeatGeek.com. That's SeatGeek.com. I, I have to tell you this. Um, Joe likes to go to sports events. Yes, I do. Jackie and Eric love to go to various music events. Uh, John does too. My wife loves certain plays and such. Now, I'm not, okay, uh, you know I'm not a guy that uses a cell phone, but everyone else does. And one thing my wife did, and then Joe did, and Jackie and Eric, they all downloaded this app. It's SeatGeek.com. Let me tell you, buying tickets to sports and concerts, it can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek, all right? It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Now, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or, or if you need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. I watched this happen. I watched this happen with my wife. I watched this happen with Joe. And I was absolutely stunned, amazed. SeatGeek helps you to find, helps you find, again, the best seats at the best prices. Fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team, your favorite band or musician or play in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Now, I have the, I have. When I say I, I mean my wife and I, because my I, I use my wife's cell phone or she I she have. allows me. And Joe, yeah, you've downloaded the app on your phone. Yeah, we even used it for a Cleveland Indians game over the summer, which uh, you know sometimes when you get the tickets, you can go to uh, uh, the website for Cleveland Indians. And uh, but if you want tickets that other people put online, as well as uh, you know, private sellers and tickets from the the actual venue. You can go there and get them, well, and it's very simple. Right. All you do is sign up for the account, you download the app, and it makes it very easy. Uh, as you can pick, you see all the available seats 
anywhere in the arena. You pick the area you want to sit in. You buy your tickets, and that's that simple. And, and, and you know, you were saying that you've got the app on on your phone. Mm-hmm. Renee's got it on her phone. Jackie on her phone. Again, it's by by far the easiest way that they found the shop for tickets. And I've seen them do this everywhere, anywhere they were at. It's incredible. Just a few taps, they can instantly find seats. And they just any city, any venue, yeah. sports, theater. I mean, it's it's your go-to stop for anything ticket-related. And, and we love saving money. We love ease. So let me let me just wrap this up for you. Because SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever before. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I've got to tell you, it works. Now, here's here's the best. Ready for this? Here's the best. Listeners to the Hagman Report, you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You can't beat this. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code HAGMAN. That's H-A-G-M-A-N-N. Do it today. Again, download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code HAGMAN. H-A-G-M-A-N-N. That's promo code HAGMAN for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And, and, and I have to tell you, they support, you know, so they, they in part pay for, allow us to do what we do. Support them. Great company. Great people, great service. SeatGeek.com, promo code Hagman. $20 off your your purchase of of whatever ticket. Can't be fantastic. No, you can't. All right, now. Okay, uh, so let's get back into this. Go ahead. There's a, a, from our friend over at Gateway Pundit, Josh Kaplan, who's been a guest several times on this show. Yeah. Latest leak. Ray humiliated McCabe for being focus of IG. Horowitz's report. FBI Deputy Director McCabe has stepped down effective today. Fox News contributor Sarah Carter reports the FBI Deputy Director McCabe reacted furiously after colleagues demanded that he resign. For those of you who think the FBI Director Ray is finished cleaning house, guess again. According to Carter, FBI sources within the Bureau say whistleblowers feel confident more resignations are coming. McCabe's announcement comes one day after his boss read the FISA memo. While experts believe McCabe being implicated in the four-page document led to his departure. According to the New York Times, they say it was another report that caught Ray's attention. This is what the New York Times is saying. In a recent conversation, Christopher Ray, the FBI director, raised concerns about the forthcoming IG report examining the actions of Mr. McCabe and other senior FBI officials during the 2016, 2016 presidential campaign. When the Bureau was investigating both Hillary Clinton's email use and the Trump campaign's connections to Russia, In that discussion, according to one former law enforcement official close to McCabe, Ray suggested moving McCabe to another job, which would have been a demotion. Instead, the former official said McCabe chose to leave. His departure was not announced at the Bureau, leaving agents to learn of it from news reports. Did you guys notice how often uh, the news media today was making a point of that? 
oh, the White House didn't learn of this beforehand. We didn't learn of this beforehand. Other FBI agents didn't learn about this beforehand. Okay. And they're so surprising. Yes, stop right there, because that is the exact excuse that Obama used when he learned about Hillary's uh, private server. I learned about it just like mm-hmm. just like everyone else did in the media when, in fact, he was communicating with Hillary mm-hmm. using uh, uh, pseudonyms, so he knew. But go ahead. Well, this article just goes on to say that the um, the New York Times um, has been all over the place today, but let's just deal with this report. They said they, they expected McCabe would likely quit, but he was offered the demotion, which was the firing, except he did not uh, want to do that. So it's currently unknown when the IG's report will be released. Last week, the Daily Beast reported the FBI Director Comey, it, it's McCabe, and it's Rosenstein coming. were all officially named in the shocking FISA memo, which we have since seen voted to be released, and we are still waiting for that information to come forward. But a few things. Uh, the New York Times is reporting, um, and I think this is per Drudge, New York Times, concern over Inspector General report. And this is part of what the Gateway Pundit wrapped up. But... This is a, I mean, the dominoes are going to start falling now. And hard. And by the way, I just want to slip this in there and then continue. Tracy Beans did an incredible video. If you haven't seen it, it's about Michael Horowitz. And just watch it. It's Just watch the video. Tracy Beans, who's going to be joining us Wednesday, did a tremendous video about Michael Horowitz. Now, OIG, Office of Inspector General, yeah. go ahead, continue with well, your thoughts. They have the... The, see, one, one thing that's going to be interesting about this is you have the the FISA memo put together by Nunez and his staff or whatever, but you also have the IG memo, which they can't, which they, the media and the left, cannot come out and say that this is political bias, this is, you know, some kind of uh, a partisan attack on the FBI or on the DOJ. They're going to have to admit, um, well, no, they're not going to have to admit anything, but they... It's not going to be able to be labeled as some kind of partisan attack. So, all this is coming out. We still haven't seen the uh, FISA memo yet. We still uh, have not seen the text messages that went missing that were found or recovered. And they got a, a couple. What? Uh, how many? Th- how many did the uh, of the texts that were? How many texts did? I don't know how many they were. The fifty thousand uh, of the fifty thousand, I think there was what uh, a couple of thousand only that were that were released to the House Intelligence Committee. I mean, look, this is a huge deal, and this will leave a, a mark forever on history. As Joe, as you said, dominoes will begin to fall. Uh, McCabe yeah. being the first, and there will be people will be jailed for this. Okay, and it this is where it gets really interesting because when we were looking at the media has had a an anti-Trump campaign since he declared his run for office. They have been creating lies at every turn, and, and this is what I wanted to, to throw out there today. Have you? If, has everybody seen the latest lies that they have put out there? Trump told McCabe to ask his wife how it felt to be a loser. <laughs> President Trump reportedly told then acting director of the FBI Andrew McCabe that he should ask his wife, who had lost a bid for political office in Virginia, how it felt to be a loser, NBC reports. This is really but hilarious. Who cares? Hold on, no, this is really hilarious. Uh, what they said, what this article says, is before, la- before Trump fell, fell silence on McCabe, 
He lashed out at him by telling him to ask his wife what it felt like to be a loser. Apparently, the head of the FBI replied, Okay, sir, before Trump ended the call. This is the latest lie made up an attack on Donald Trump, just like we saw last week with the big breaking bombshell news that Donald Trump thought about firing Robert Mueller. Now, this that was a story for about 72 Uh-oh. hours straight. Thought crime. Boy, he got, thought crime. Oh, no. Oh, and no. Did you see some of the like Chris Cuomo and... Uh, the all the other talking heads. I mean, they. It was like you would have thought. You know, Trump uh, shot somebody right on the White House steps. The way that they were talking about it, as though they, even Chris Cuomo said it didn't make a difference if he actually fired him or thought about it. It's the same difference, and Trump should be impeached over it. This is the mindset of these people. So, how are they going to explain away multiple personnel from the FBI, from the DOJ, from the former Obama administration, illegally spying on a president and his campaign? even when it comes out after the election was over. After he took office, they continued to spy. How and, are they going to defend it? focus that? on that. They're not going to report on it. They're going to call right. it just partisan personal attacks by Trump trying to win political points for his base. That's all they're going to say about it. But they're going to be forced, I think, to do a lot more than that. But as, let that sink in, though, what you just said. Not just, be, not just as a private citizen, not just as a candidate, not just as a president-elect, but as the president of the United States, you have got you've got a seven days in May on the intelligence side scenario, in my view. Joe, I mean, can you... think of the uh, you know the false flag attacks that they could try to launch in order to take attention. I don't think there's anything that will take attention away from this, so they would be wasting their time trying. This is the biggest story of our lifetimes, and I will tell you this. <laughs> This is laying bare uh, for everyone to see the nefarious activities of Obama and of Brennan. And you've got to ask yourself why, because on Friday we had Mike Zullo and uh, uh, Carl Gallops, mm-hmm. and there was this, obviously, the, um, um, the, uh, the, the uh, who is Obama? And I referenced this this morning. You've got to you've got to look at how this all came together. How this junior senator from Illinois, who, by the way, think about Uranium One and think about how Senator Luger picked him to be on the delegation, mega megatons to megawatts, going over to Russia, Obama in the Luger delegation. Of all the people he could have selected, he selected Obama, and they went over to to, to Russia. In 2000, what was it, 2006, I believe it was, or five, when they got stopped, the passport. Think about all of this, and and think about Obama's placement. And then you had Brennan, who was the national security advisor for Obama during his campaign, and then Brennan becoming the CIA director. You think this is all by accident? It's not. And this is important because we have to understand who Obama is. And I contend, I assert, Joe, and, and feel free, to, to, to uh, chime in on this, but I assert that Obama was a CIA cutout in working for the intelligence services to advance the globalist agenda. Or he was a rogue New World Order guy to advance the globalist agenda yeah. as a foreign citizen or however he came about. And all, all we have to say with Obama's background is who spends you know millions of dollars to hide all their records and seal all their records. Nobody, unless you have something to hide. So, Right. And Perkins Coy plays a big role in this. <laughs> and I don't want to hear a comparison to Donald Trump's tax returns, because that is not 
he's not sealing his identity and who he was and what his name was when he got, you know, student loans in college and uh, where he was born. And, you know, that's a, a totally different story. But anyway, all this is coming undone. All Some of the misdeeds at the end of the Obama administration are going to come to light. And I don't think I, I think he's going to be relatively safe from all all the stuff going on. Obama, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think of all the people, he's going to skate. But he, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put it past him to throw people, uh, even up to Hillary Clinton under the bus. And, and nothing. I believe they're willing, they would be willing to sacrifice her as much I, I do crap too. as she uh, brings them. She would be the perfect sacrificial lamb because how many of us? would see Hillary, you know, we've been calling for arrest, we've been calling for uh, people to be jailed for the crimes they've committed. How many people would stop pushing if they saw Hillary Clinton get arrested? I think a lot of people would. And, and also think, and I agree with that, but also think, too, of Hillary Clinton, of the Clinton Foundation, Bill Clinton. Charles Ortel does a wonderful job and has invested so many man hours of uh, outlining the um, 501c3 fraud that is the Clinton Foundation. You know, they were mandated under the 501c3 mandate to build a presidential library and research center. And all of a sudden they're in different foreign countries and come to find out now, what, that they may not be a 501c3 at all. Or at least not by definition. And those people have contributed millions of dollars, including, well, the, the people here in the United States that contributed millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation and wrote that, that off on their taxes. Now are in, they've got tax liability, perhaps, if it is determined that this is not a, a proper 501c3. Uh, and think about all of that, and so you've got all of these these different events, seemingly di- seemingly disparate events. The Clinton Foundation, Uranium One, the emails, Fast and Furious. You go back to Fast and Furious. You can even go back to if you took this even back further to Whitewater to Vince Foster. All of this, all of these little events, and by the way, Seth Rich. And the DNC? Oh, that hasn't gone away. Oh, and don't forget about the Awan cabal, the Pakistani infiltration into the House um, IT, uh, uh, throughout the House IT. This is all coming to light, and Donald Trump has done an outstanding job of bypassing the media. And by the way, Operation Mockingbird, and it hit me this weekend and this morning, when he points to someone and says, fake news... Well, Operation Mockingbird, that's exactly, by definition, fake news. Operation Mockingbird, it's propaganda. He's right. Go ahead, Joe, I'd continue. Well, um, you know, this is, there's a lot going on. Um, and there's a, basically a all-out war on Twitter, you know, between certain people like Eric Holder and others who are coming to the defense of Andrew McCabe. But oh, you know, he's watching one. a few hours or listening to a few hours of CNN today. Um, Are you all right? I no, mean, I am do, fine. I wanted to see that, as like... soon as we got done with the Daily Show. As soon as I saw McCabe was fired when we were recording the Daily Show, I went downstairs because we were talking about what are the arguments that they're going to make in defense or, or for McCabe stepping down against Trump. Right. And we listed off a few, and sure enough, you know, within five minutes of having CNN on, they went through all of them. Uh, you know, this was this is a. Uh, Trump, as I said earlier, he has created a toxic environment at the FBI and has forced out 
um, McCabe, well, this is just McCabe leaving a little bit early because uh, he was already planning to retire. There's nothing here. I mean, they they went through all their uh, what I expected them to as far as their excuses. But it'll be really interesting to see how they move, what they do moving forward. Now, I know I haven't put a lot of stock into the you know this Q phenomenon, right? But something he said Saturday is very interesting. Wrote, not said. wrote, whatever. Right. Um, and this, a, I'm just going to go through a few sentences. Q is. I'm going to go through a few sentences of this. Uh, what must be said to provide a counter narrative? What must be said to attempt to discredit factual proofs? How do you keep people blind? And then it, it says every MSM news station next week will be saying and pushing the same exact counter narrative: fake news, Mueller, fake news, Russia, Russia, Russia. So, uh, uh, so, uh, right. so, so pretty interesting. Okay, on the mark. What, what does that mean? I mean, the counter narrative. Um, okay, how? And he, he said, how do they keep people blind? Uh, th- that, this is, I guess, in all this, this is what we expected. The last few weeks we've been talking about this. We expected this FISA memo to be voted on and to be made public. Right. Which the con- it has been. The contents just have not been released. And, and we're waiting on. on we expected heads to roll at the FBI. We talked about a, and a they very are. public house cleaning. This is not that, but it's a start with McCabe leaving. And what's really, see, the whole wild card in this for me is what is the media spin going to be and are the people going to believe it? Now, I believe it's going to go right along uh, Trump supporter lines and, and Trump hater lines. The the lines that we saw from the election to what we see uh, in the media today. You're going to have all the media, they're going to get really creative and they're going to start throwing uh, stuff out there. Don't be surprised, and I wouldn't buy into it if you start seeing, um, you know, Melina to testify against her husband, the Mueller, <laughs> all these crazy <laughs> claims. Try to, they're going to have to keep the left's mind off the developments that are coming out from the FISA memo at the same time purporting to show Trump about to be impeached at every moment. This is how this whole week's going to go on CNN and MSNBC. In the view and all the other ones. So, so you're watching. Okay, so I can count on you, so I don't have to turn on CNN. No, you don't have to. Uh, but by the way, I'm going to be on coast to coast tonight, briefly, uh, weighing in on this McCabe situation. Uh, spoke, yeah. talking to George. Well, coast to coast AM just for the news segment. So, and people might wonder well, why are you so concerned about what the media reaction is going to be to this? And that's that would be a good question, but it's not just the media. This is the whole. You have to understand, the whole uh, liberal insanity movement and the media, it's all one thing. The political establishment and the media, it's like a one-two punch. You have had for so long, uh, and even with this, I, I believe it would not surprise me to learn, and I don't know if the reports go this far, to sh- show how much the media has been complicit in creating this Trump-Russia false narrative and lie of an investigation. Oh, I, I think that they... Okay. So they feel that they have some skin in the game. But, but, but see, okay, go back to the OIG report, or well, you don't even have to go that far. The the four-page executive summary I believe will show, if not directly, indirectly, meaning it'll, it, it'll be footnoted. Um, that's my way of saying the, the foundational documents. Uh, I believe that that Fusion GPS, and you have to you have to figure out who the players are. You got Fusion GPS, Glenn Simpson, Thomas Catan, and Peter Fritsch that are part of Fusion GPS. Then you've got Nellie Orr who joined Fusion GPS, and Nellie Orr is the wife of Bruce Orr. Okay, from the DOJ. Now think about this. 
Remember the fuss that G- Fusion GPS put up for saying, well, we're not going to release our bank records. We, you can't make us do it. I'm not going to do it. And also, keep in the back of your mind, too, the differences between the testimony from Glenn Simpson, uh, from the House and the Senate. They're the, the two different committees. Okay, now, back up a little bit. Think about Fusion GPS, the bank records, and the fuss. What was that all about? They don't want to expose. Now, they saw money coming in from Fusion GPS, not or from uh, Perkins Coy. That was via Perkins Coy, Mark Elias, um, through the um, um, from the DNC and from Hil- the Hillary campaign. Now, remember, the DNC and, and uh, Hillary Clinton were both one and the same for a while, as per Donna Brazil. Yeah, she she okay. basically ran the DNC. You're going to see the that Fusion GPS made payments to certain um, the people within the media. The names are there, and trust just trust me when I tell you it's going to all come out that. That members of the media were paid to push the Russian collusion narrative. Okay, and and this is huge, because and this is going to be referenced, at least referenced, if not detailed, um, one or two sentences or maybe longer in this four-page executive summary, the so-called FISA memo. Joe, I know that you you're just talking to Eric about. Yeah, we're we're coming up against the, a break here. Um, and obviously, we're going to continue to talk about the, the FISA memo, the firing of Andrew McCabe with Laura Loomer, who's coming up next, and then Lisa Haven, who will be with us in Hour 3. But just real quick, this Sunday is, again, our first Sunday of the month Patreon broadcast. There is a link to Patreon on HagmanReport.com. You can uh, sign up there and join us each first Sunday of every month. Uh, the people who donate through Patreon, and you go to Patreon, you see how much to donate. There's different levels. I think $5, $10, $25. dollars $25 level, you join us on a broadcast Sunday night. It's an interactive broadcast. It's not like us just talking to you. Uh, it's a little meeting place on the computer where you get a link a half hour before we go live. You open it up. We're all there, however many people are there. Each have a little video box, and uh, we talk with each other just, for a few hours. We just have a, a fireside chat. It's yep. fun. And we do that the first Sunday of every month. And again, go to Hagman Report. There is a banner right at the top of the page. It says Patreon. Click that and uh, donate there and sign up, and you can become part of that interactive broadcast. And in the forum, we are going to be populating the forum, too. Go ahead. And we'll talk about that more on the other side. We'll be right back after this break with Laura Loomer. You're listening to this Monday edition of the Hagman Report. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Monday, the 29th day of January 2018, day number 375 of the swamp drainage. Drainage, they there is. The swamp drainage. Well, okay, and I'll tell you something. This is so great. Look, we're not, I, 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 I sent a directive out today to everyone at the Hagman Report staff. Don't plan on sleeping this week. It ain't happening. Okay. And Joe's like, oh, regular week, huh? Right. And, you know, um, and I had a duck because Eric did throw a, uh, something at me as a piece of equipment, old and not, not in use, but, um, nonetheless, uh, so look, uh, please do a couple of things for us. If you don't mind, please subscribe on our YouTube channel. Um, yep. okay. Please do that because a lot of people have been unsubscribed. Which is a very, well, I shouldn't say unusual. It's not only that, it's not only the shows that we put up. I know you've been doing a lot yeah. of 
um, investigative reports yes. via video that have been uh, full of information and really timely. So you're going to want to subscribe to get more. the alerts for that. And this week, I think we're all going to be doing a lot of that this week as there's going to be so much information uh, and so many moving parts to this story. Because this story is not just about a FISA memo or uh, some personnel at the FBI. This is all-encompassing. This has to do with the Trump-Russia-Mueller investigation, the 2016 presidential elections, uh, the FBI, the DOJ, the corruption that is in there, the abuse of power under the Obama administration, and the subverting of Donald Trump. And it's, no one. It's so many parts to this. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's unlike very, anything we've seen. Like it's before. so complex. But yet, it's uh, it, look the Clinton Foundation fraud very complex. The uh, all of this is complex. But at the end of the day, th- this is going to leave permanent scars on a lot of people. And a lot of I do I do suspect you're going to see people arrested and tried for various crimes. And I'm talking about felonies here. And, and we were right. I mean, even though we were speculating off of little information about what was in the FISA memo, uh, you know, what was going on at the FBI. It seems like we're, we've been right on the money with our speculation because we talked about how once this FISA memo drops, you know, the personnel changes that we would see, the potential for perp walks that we would see. That's coming. And to have the director of the FBI read a memo yesterday, get rid of the number two today, this morning, less than 24 hours after reading the memo, and then having the memo released you can guarantee that there is going to be a lot of stuff happening in D.C. this week, and it's not going to be good for the left, for the swamp. That's right. And let's not forget about other events. You know, you had the worst mass shooting in our nation's history in modern times. Las Vegas, Laura Loomer, of course, front and center on reporting on that. She was just on InfoWars, what, last week or the week before that, talking about things. And she's got new information. So joining us now, Laura Loomer, at Laura Loomer on Twitter, um, the fantastic uh, uh, researcher and reporter. Laura, welcome to the Hagman Report. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'll tell you what, you've been, you've been, you've been a busy lady. You've been, you've been doing a lot. <laughs> I don't know where you find time, but you've been, you've been really kicking some dust over. Let's get right into it. What have you found of late? Well, I've been in Las Vegas for about two weeks now, and since I've been here, I've been taking a different angle, and I've been doing, um, some more of the more like traditional undercover work that I'm used to doing. And what I recently did was uh, I went to Mandalay Bay to prove that they have not changed their security or improved security, uh, despite the fact that MGM Resort said that they were going to be taking measures to improve their security. So what I did was, if you recall, they said that Stephen Paddock used the service elevators to transport weapons to the 32nd floor. Well, I'm not even a guest at Mandalay Bay, And I went in through the employee entrance, and I snuck into the service elevator, and I took it up to the 32nd floor and down to the 32nd floor and recorded myself doing so to prove that anybody could just walk in and pretty much carry out a similar attack if they wanted to be a copycat. So, Laura, just real quick, you said you snuck in. Were you uh, dressed like a ninja, or did you just walk right in? Well, I just walked right in. So I guess you, I guess I didn't really sneak in. I guess I went in undetected because they don't really have any security or any people who are like monitoring the situation despite the fact that the casino has a camera every two feet. So literally while I'm filming this video, there's a camera behind me in the elevator recording me. And then there's cameras all over Mandalay Bay. 
And it just makes you wonder, um, what are their security guards doing? What are they getting paid to do? We already know that their security isn't that great. <laughs> I mean, just look at Jesus Campos. I don't know if you mm-hmm. need another example. But uh, I walked past the security office, which is in the employee area before the service elevators, and nobody stopped me. I even walked in front of several um you know, Hispanic housekeepers, and they didn't say anything, probably because they didn't speak English. But at the end of the day, they still should have enough common sense to think, oh, well, this person doesn't belong here. Yeah, you'd think that they would, uh, as you said, as, as the reports indicated, that they would have a much more heightened sense of security. And we've even seen reports that there's extra security guards, specifically on the 32nd floor and otherwise, that these... uh I know there was a big push after the uh, the shooting happened to have this extra layer of security of people when you're coming into the hotels. They were thinking about even putting in, you know, metal detectors and x-ray type machines. So you're saying it's basically probably the same the way it was before the shooting. Yeah, probably, but actually probably worse now because now you have people who have been inspired by this attack yeah. and probably thinking of ways to carry out attacks themselves, and now they know exactly how to do it. And it's not even just Mandalay Bay. I mean, there's so many resorts and casinos in Las Vegas. And even in the hotel that I'm staying at right now, all you have to do is just flash a key card and they'll let you right in. They don't know if it's a valid key card. And I've been talking to a lot of people since I've been in Vegas, and I guess it's a common thing for people to save the key cards from the hotels they stay at so that during the summertime they can access the hotels to, like, go to the bars and go to the pools and use the facilities when it's really nice in Vegas. So you have a lot of people who are keeping these key cards, and they're not even valid key cards, but they're gaining access to all these facilities and hotel rooms. And, you know, it could become some type of black market situation where you have people um, selling these types of cards or selling these type of, uh, like, heat codes to get in places so that they could commit nefarious acts. And it really makes you wonder, like, how secure Vegas or a lot of these other tourist destinations are, because I'm sure it's not just Vegas, right? I mean, this is an issue for all the hotels and casinos around the world to consider, especially now that, um, you know, everyone thinks of the Las Vegas shooting and they think, wow, it's the worst to carry these weapons into a hotel and shot people. But if you look around the world, this is a tactic used by other individuals, like ISIS terrorists, for example. Uh, in, like, Tunisia and other, um, like, tourist destinations around the world for, like, Europeans and Westerners, um, there's numerous stories and accounts of terrorists storming hotel lobbies, holding people hostage, and just machining people down. So the Las Vegas shooting isn't unique in the style or the tactic used, right? Which is why I've been emphasizing that this was an act of terrorism. Laura, um, okay, now I've got really no solid evidence to to base this on except a lot of uh, circumstantial and cumulative information. Um, it's it's my belief. I do believe that there's an ISIS component to what happened, or an Islamic terrorist component. But I also believe, and and, and tell me if I'm wrong, or t- tell me if if you think that, uh, uh, or just tell me what you think about this. I, I've got this sense that Paddock was involved in something a whole lot more than just, uh, you know, that Paddock was maybe involved in some, like, a Fast and Furious type of operation. What do you think about that? Or isn't that your, you know, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, that's what I said last time when I was on the the Hagman Report, is I really believe that 
Stephen Paddock was some type of government official or some type of agent, and he was gun running to identify ISIS terror cells, and I believe that the Las Vegas shooting was some type of gun walking, gun running incident gone bad, just like Fast and Furious, where innocent Americans were killed as well. And that would explain why the government has been so shady in this investigation that they're carrying out, and it would also explain why Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions have been dead silent about it and not commented on it. I mean, I personally think it's very odd that Donald Trump has not said anything about this, given the fact that Donald Trump doesn't really stay quiet about anything. I mean, he has an opinion about everything, and usually he'd be the first to call the FBI out for carrying out a corrupt investigation, but we haven't heard anything. So, you know, it, it really does make you wonder, and if you if you look at the uh, the hearings that are taking place in Las Vegas, the FBI and Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department are fighting fighting in the courts to make sure that these search warrants aren't released because supposedly it would reveal who this other suspect is. And I, I really believe that there are ISIS terrorists on the loose in Las Vegas and they just don't want, you know, people people freaking out and thinking that they're not safe in Vegas, which they already aren't, right? They should be telling people this, but they're worried more about the economy of Las Vegas and making a profit than they are about protecting American citizens. Uh, I, I totally agree. And by the way, forgive me for the structuring of that last question. I, I you, you you were on before and you did say I meant to I meant to phrase that you know is there anything that has changed your perception of that so I my apologies go ahead Joey I know that you wanted to yeah the uh, you know what we saw released by the Las Vegas the police department uh, the ninety one page memo I I read through that and it, am I right because uh, it's been uh, the FBI and the and the Las Vegas police police department have two different ideas on. Uh, the, from what I understand, Las Vegas said there's no nobody else of interest, nobody else we're looking for. The FBI believes that there are other potential suspects out there. Is that accurate? What you yeah. Yes, but they keep contradicting themselves in their statements, and this 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 confusion stems largely from the fact that the media really isn't doing a great job reporting on on the investigation and. Lomb Sheriff Lombardo is literally lying during these press conferences. So the FBI released their uh, the search warrants, but there's 14 pages that they're still hiding. Metro released a preliminary report, but they're fighting to not release search warrants because they don't want to disclose uh, the identity of a suspect that is still being investigated. And they're despite the fact that Sheriff Lombardo keeps you know telling telling people or told people at least last week that. Stephen Paddock was the only shooter. There's no other suspects, and uh, nobody else helped with the shooting. Mary Lou Danley is innocent. The reports and the evidence in the preliminary report and these uh, search warrants prove otherwise. I mean, Mary Lou Danley literally admitted that her fingerprints were on the ammunition, and they found her fingerprints on the ammunition. Yeah, and, yeah. That's a problem. We don't even know where she is. And... They keep they keep saying first they said oh somebody else is going to be charged Mary Lou Danley's fingerprints were on the ammunition then they come out and say oh Mary Lou Danley isn't the person that's going to be charged but we can't release these search warrants because we can't reveal who this other individual is well if there's no other accomplices and Stephen Paddock really was the only shooter why do you care about this other individual's identity being released Laura any Good more clarity full story any more is this have to do with the email accounts that were unlocked and uh, that we saw Paddock exchanging. It, it seemed like it wasn't, and I know we covered this last time you were on, but it seemed like the emails, Paddock wasn't talking to himself. He wasn't sending himself information. It sounded like he was being 
given information by somebody else, like come to Las Vegas, we have a huge supply of uh, AR-15s or whatever the email said, and that was the point of interest for the FBI, wondering if there was somebody else on the other side of those accounts, who were they and were they part of uh, of this crime? And that's where, yeah. Well, that's the thing. In the report, they said, oh, we believe that he was emailing himself. But to any logical person, I mean, how stupid do they think we are? How how dumb do they think the average American person is? Because, you know, if I was going to email myself something, I would just email myself from the actual account I was using and send myself an email. I think we've all emailed ourselves before if we're trying to, like, send ourselves a document or remind ourselves of something. I wouldn't create another email account and pretend like I was having a conversation or some type of weapons transaction with myself. I mean, this is obviously another individual, and they're trying to convince us in the most absurd way possible that Stephen Paddock was talking to himself. Hmm. And yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of people about this, and you know, nobody is really believing this narrative that, whoa, well, Stephen Paddock was just communicating with himself. I think that this was a very, um, very well-organized, very thought-out, methodological, uh, like, structured attack, and I think that the individuals involved had had some type of training, whether it be military training, tactical training, training with terrorists, and they knew exactly what they were doing, and they had a plan ahead of time as to how they were going to cover this up. And, um... You know, I, I think that that really just like leads further credence to this to this idea or this theory that Stephen Paddock is some type of government official, right? And there's evidence that supports that. He has government ties through his employment with Lockheed Martin. He has government ties through the registration of the the plane he owned. And calling yourself a professional video poker player and, you know, having a bank account with, you know, $5 million or in a state worth $5 million is the perfect way to, like, wash money and have another place. I have to tell you, my sister-in-law, and she's on, um, you know, she goes to a local casino once a week with $20, and um, she takes my father-in-law, her father out there to to and he loves to to play the slot machines. He's suffering from Alzheimer's. I could just tell you this: um, she loses the twenty dollars pretty much every 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 time. There's no one that that wins uh, against the house playing video poker. There's no five million dollar estates being made from video poker. Yeah. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. On but it its does face. Make, it does make sense in the it's context of washing money. Yep, because you can easily put a hundred dollar bill into a machine, play a few hands, and print out a ninety dollar ticket getting the money back on the ticket, even though it's $10 less, you have a, basically a receipt of where the money came from. And you don't have to worry about the money that went Or table there. games or but whatever, yeah. yeah. No, and, it, and that, Laura, I think I said this last time, I'm of the mindset to believe it was either a terrorist, an ISIS-inspired terrorist attack, or a politically motivated attack, which they covered up to not get the country in an uproar, uh, as we saw the, yeah. the political tensions, you know, uh, of last year and into this year. So, yeah. well. Yeah, that's why that's why they wouldn't want to mention it. Uh, there's obviously something very sinister at play, which they don't want to disclose. I, you just have to ask yourself, how is it that we knew more about 9-11 in the hours after 9-11 than we do now about this individual? When this day and age, the government knows everything about everyone. You can't do anything without having a digital footprint. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it really honestly does make any sense. We have the technology, we have the means, we have the intelligence in this country and abroad to identify individuals and know everything about them within 30 seconds if we really want to. 
but they're they're just they're just going around in circles trying to convince the American public that they really have no idea why this happened. And you know, I, I like I said, I've talked to a lot of people about this, and everyone has, you know, a lot of these people have drawn the same conclusion. How is it that we can identify these, you know, very detailed terror plots throughout the country and and derail terror plots and identify terrorist networks all around the world, but we can't find out why a 64-year-old man killed 58 people. Exactly. Folks, we're talking with Laura Loomer, at Laura Loomer for Twitter. Laura, before we go any further, how can people best help you, your quest? How can our listeners contribute to um, to your efforts, to your investigative efforts? What are you, what, whatever our listening audience can do, tell them how they can help you. I'm an independent journalist, and if they'd like to, you know, contribute and support my work, they can do so at PayPal. I have a PayPal. It's paypal.me slash Laura Loomer. And, you know, I, I'm completely funded by, by the people. I crowdsource. I'm not bankrolled by, you know, billion dollar media corporations. And, you know, I'm able to report and say what I want and report the truth without being censored, but I do have to receive funding from the people. So, um, I do appreciate you know, contributions from, from people if you're able to do that. And, you know, I do believe I'm very effective at what I do. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I don't even have 1% of the budget that a lot of these mainstream media networks have to carry out their operations. Yeah, I've got to say this. Uh, as an investigator, you know, I would not want you on my on my tail for surveillance or investigation i've i've seen your your investigative work product and i've got to tell you it's good she was the only one in there who went to the press conference when she was allowed who were asking questions that all of us in the public wanted to ask that none of the other media people dared to ask or or would were willing to ask and it did you shed a lot of light uh, on this Las Vegas investigation that we would not have had otherwise. So we definitely thank you for that, Laura. Yeah, and it was great work. I, my, my, my question though, too, I've got, I've got so many questions. Laura, ha, has there been anything new about events in the vicinity of the Mandalay Bay? For example, um, the events at the at McCarran Tropicana, Airport. Or the and, airport, yeah, yeah the, the shooters on the runway. No. Um, no, there hasn't been anything. And that's the thing is they're not really, putting a lot of information or releasing information to the public. But, you know, that's why I think that it's important for people to be creative and find other ways to put the pressure on them. So they're not releasing information, but, you know, the video that I just filmed, it's, you know, putting the pressure on them to improve their security. It's putting the pressure on them to, you know, address the public, and it's causing people to be more outraged over, you know, this ridiculous investigation and, you know, the the total incompetence of MGM Resorts. So if you look at how much money this casino conglomerate has, you'd think that they'd be able to provide competent security or be able to, you know, address community concerns in the meantime while we're still trying to look for answers and get answers. But that's not the case. And as a result, they're going to get sued and they're going to be found to be negligent and liable for, uh, you know, not providing adequate security. And Hopefully, you know, the embarrassment that they have to endure through these types of videos and investigations will cause them to want to be a little bit more transparent with the public because they're losing business and a lot of people just in the comment sections of my video said that they're, you know, they don't plan on staying at any MGM resorts any any longer because they're just outraged over this. So it really is a slap in the face to the community if you think it about is. it. Yeah, absolutely it is. And 
I, I would hope that MGM loses money. And I mean, they should be forthcoming. They should have uh, been releasing, you know, security footage and security footage images of Paddock publicly if the police wouldn't do it. And that's uh, we we learned before the show here. I was talking about a radio show I listened to. It's the Mike Gallagher show, and he was talking about this Las Vegas report or this Las Vegas case on uh, this Sunday, and he talked about how you know the most CCTV town in all of America and pretty much all of the world. There has not been one image or one video released. I think the only video of Paddock that was ever released was a tw- 2011 or 2013 slip and fall, uh, you know, where he was at the casino, and nothing from this last. Yeah. I mean, the police didn't even put out the accurate timeline, as you well know, as you forced them to change their story. They wouldn't even admit that Paddock was in the hotel uh, getting room service for two days before. Uh, they they tried to report that he only got there a few days before when it turned out he was staying there, um, you know, much longer than they said. And not only that, he had hotels, other hotels he was staying at at the same time. It's a very confusing yeah. story. And if nothing else we learned from your reporting, Laura, we learned that obviously there is a huge cover-up going on. And anybody with, with any common sense can see, obviously, that there is some kind of cover-up going on. And for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. The cover-up, as we have seen with the FBI and, and this whole thing, is just as bad as the crime sometimes. So, I mean, I, yep. oh, I want to it's ask you this. Be, well, go ahead. Um, the injured, they added like 200 more injured, uh, to, two or 300 more injured to, um, the report. They, at first they think they said there was like 535 injured. Now they're saying there was upwards of 850 injured. Uh, anything to add on that also? No, but like I said, I'm not surprised that the numbers are changing. I still believe that there are more than 58 people who died because the night of the, the night that this happened, they said 58 people died. But then, you know, I had reports from from hospitals and staff who were working and first responders that more people had died in the following days. So how do you have 58 people dead on the night it happened, and then you have hundreds of people in the office with or in the hospital with life-threatening injuries and then several of them die and the number doesn't change i mean yeah. who's keeping track of this who it, whose job is it to really keep track of all these fatalities and you know we we haven't really received a lot of information um i'm not sure if i mentioned this last time i was on your show but um i uncovered that not even all 58 victims received autopsies only half of the victims received autopsies so Really? You know, we're we're already seeing yeah, we're already seeing a violation in the procedure of the coroner's office and then I called the coroner about this. He refused to answer my question, wouldn't give me a straight answer, so I showed up to the coroner's office and then he saw me outside, let me in, decided he would talk to me with the cameras off, and even then he wouldn't confirm to me whether or not all fifty eight victims received autopsies. But later on when I left, I was told by a source that they were freaking out, um, you know after I left and after my report came out because they were scrambling to identify the leaker because this is more damning evidence that could be used against them in court because it's a violation of Nevada law. When, whenever there's a homicide, pretty much anywhere, you're supposed to give them an autopsy, regardless of whether or not you can tell that they died from a gunshot wound. And they changed right. the procedure at the coroner's office. They locked it down for the first time ever out there. They They had other people. There was gag orders or whatever in place. They couldn't say anything. I saw one interview where somebody went to the door uh, maybe a week after it happened uh, before the coroner had time to do anything and they wouldn't even talk to him on camera or off camera. So we know that um, nothing is standard in this investigation. Nothing at all. Yeah, uh, and you 
I, I think that there's going to be, uh, you know, like resignations in the next few months. I, I think that you're going to see more officials from LDMPD leaving, just as I previously reported. You've already seen changes in the management and changes um, within LDMPD management just in the past three months after after the shooting. And I don't think that Sheriff Lombardo is going to have a successful run for re-election if he does decide to actually submit his paperwork. He keeps saying that he's going to run for re-election, but he has not yet submitted the paperwork. And the deadline, I believe, is March 25th. Don't quote me on that, but somewhere in March you have to submit your paperwork, and he hasn't done it yet. So I want to know if he really is running for re-election and wants to put rumors to rest, why not just file the paperwork? I think that more information is going to come out and, you know, who knows? I think that people's consciences are going to start to weigh and they're going to become heavy and maybe in the next few months you'll have individuals who just snap and feel like they have to leak information because imagine going to bed every single night knowing information about the worst cover-up, right? One of the worst cover-ups. Yeah. And how do you live with yourself? How do you live with yourself knowing that you're participating in a disinformation campaign? Well, if they believe they're doing it for the, the for national security and, and for the benefit of the American public, I can see in their twisted minds why they would think they're doing a service to the country. Our guest is Laura Loomer. Laura, we're right up against the break. When we come back, want to get into what's going on in Washington, D.C. with this uh, the House Intelligence Committee voting to release the memo, the McCabe resignation or forced out. We're going to talk about that as well as uh, all the different things that are, are going on and preparing to break. Laura Loomer is our guest, and you can find her at Laura Loomer on Twitter. We'll be right back. It is November, or I'm sorry, November. November. Good Lord. It is January 29th, day number 375, draining the swamp, uh, Donald Trump, uh, uh, day 375. The State of the Union address tomorrow, full coverage on that tomorrow on the Hagman Report. Our guest now is Laura Loomer. Before we get back to Laura Loomer, folks, make sure you take advantage of SeatGeek.com. That's SeatGeek.com. Remember what I said. Uh, download the app. And it, it's, a, sign it's a sign up. It's a wonderful service. Plus, promo code Hagman H A G M A N N for twenty dollars off of your first SeatGeek purchase. You can't beat this even with a big stick. So SeatGeek.com promo code Hagman. Hey, make us proud because you know these sponsors are supporting us, uh, helping us to bring you the news, and of course. Uh, We'd like to return the same results as well. News that the FISA memo just making its way or just was delivered the hard copy to the White House moments ago. That's breaking on uh, all across the social media. Watch for that. Sparks will fly. This is going to leave a permanent mark. And uh, there's so much, so much to go on that. Also, I want to remind everyone. Occupy 2018, the conference in Canton, Ohio, that Joe and I will be present at. Uh, in fact, giving a presentation there. Occupy 2018 conference. That's coming up very soon. So you want to make sure you register. But let's blow out the doors at this venue. Let's force a greater, bigger venue 
And uh, it's going to be wonderful to have a chance to, to rub elbows with all of you. And that's Occupy 2018. Just go to the, the, the website and uh, click on the link. Our guest is Laura Loomer, at Laura Loomer on Twitter. Support her work as an investigative journalist. I ask you to do that. We ask you to do that. Uh, she's deserving of our support, of course, for the investigative journalism that she does. Now, before the before tonight's show, Joe and I were talking in my office, and he said, did you hear about the Super Bowl? And I said, well, I know that there's a Super Bowl. And he said, did you hear about the security company? And I said, well, I know the Super Bowl has security. And then he said, well, this is something that we should talk to Laura Loomer about. Laura, what's going on with the Super Bowl in uh, wars are being played, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Okay. Minnesota. Yeah. Far, so far away. Oh, so there's a company called G4S, and G4S is the security company that has been hired to provide security for the stadium at the Super Bowl, which is being held in Minnesota. And if you look at Minnesota and its demographics and the policies and the, you know the the immigration status of Minnesota, Minnesota is the number one terror recruitment Islamic terror recruitment state in the country, according to the Clarion Project. And not only that, but uh, Minnesota has become a hotbed and a dumping ground for, for a lot of these uh, radical Somalian refugees who are committing acts of Islamic terrorism. And they're radicalizing people in the mosques. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this as well, but the there's an Islamic Association of America that's headquartered in Minnesota as well. And when you think about this and you look at recent events in Minnesota, uh you can't help but be concerned for for the safety of uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, G4S, the security company, is the same security company that employed and trained Omar Mateen, who was the ISIS terrorist who murdered 49 people in Orlando at Pulse Nightclub. So you have a state that is the number one Islamic terror recruitment state in the country, and then you have a security company that has a record of hiring and training ISIS terrorists, and they're going to be securing the most popular, uh, like, sporting event in the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just feel like this is a disaster waiting to happen. And if you look at the NFL and the audience it draws, it's American-hating leftists. I mean, look at what the NFL has been preaching the entire year. They've been preaching anti-American uh, values. Uh, left-wing values. They're very anti-Trump. They've been taking a knee, disrespecting our flag, disrespecting our national anthem. And it's the perfect location and the perfect venue and the perfect audience for Islamic terrorists uh, to uh, join in with and carry out some type of attack against this country. And, you know, in, in Minnesota, the, the politicians there tend to value diversity more than security. So I'll just give you like a breakdown of a few things that have happened. A few months ago, you had a Somalian cop, the first Somalian refugee to become a police officer in Minnesota on grounds of diversity, not because he was competent, not because he was capable, not because he passed the police examination, but simply because they wanted to reach out and pander to the Somalian refugee community and put one of their own in the police force. What does he end up doing? He murdered a... Her pajamas. An innocent woman, an unarmed woman. He literally murdered her. And they're just talking about how, oh, it was an accident. And, you know, people are bringing up the fact that this guy isn't even qualified to be a police officer. But you have to wonder, like, 
is this because he's incompetent or is it because of his etiology? I mean, women, especially Western women in their pajamas, and I was told that it wasn't, you know, her, some of her skin was showing as well. That, that's a trigger for a lot of these Islamic immigrants who are often radicalized and, you know, come from these terror hotbeds where, you know, they're, they're, uh, they grow up uh, practicing, practicing Sharia law. So uh, I don't really think that it's wrong for people to bring that up. Then you look at what happened in Minnesota a couple months ago as well, where you had another Somalian refugee go into the Mall of America, the biggest mall in this country, and stab innocent people. Well, his lawyer just came out, and it, it was released, I believe, yesterday, that he ple- he pledged allegiance to ISIS and said he was, in fact, guilty, and he did it to, you know, to stab Americans. So why is the Super Bowl being held in Minnesota, and why has the NFL decided to endanger innocent Americans by uh, hiring an incompetent security firm that literally hired an Islamic terrorist? A whole lot there, Laura, and, you know, we can even ask why the NFL is committing suicide by allowing their organization to to delve into the the wrong side of the world of politics. But these are all, uh, it's crazy what's going on in Minnesota. And what they've done with the Super Bowls recently is they decided to, they used to only keep them in in the warmer climates for when the Super Bowl came around, you would have, uh, you know, New Orleans or Florida or whatever, but now they've voted a few years back to allow the Super Bowl in a number of other areas, uh, specifically where there's domes and whatnot. And Minnesota is one of the, the highest populations of, of Somali immigrants in uh, the country. And as you said, the same company that hired Omar Mateen is going to be doing security at the Super Bowl. And what could go wrong? Uh, yeah, what could go wrong? Who knows, right? Why even I mean, take the chance? I mean, look, Minnesota has already proven in the case of this police officer mm-hmm. who murdered innocent woman, they already have proven that they're appointing Somalians to positions of authority simply for the sake of diversity. So how do you know you're not going to have individuals in the Muslim community in Minnesota saying, oh, well, we need representatives to be doing security at the Super Bowl. All it takes is one bad skittle, right? One one bad apple to, to carry out some type of attack um, at the Super Bowl, right? And I don't yeah. really think it's a risk you want to take. And at what point in time do do these American politicians and people in the community say, you know what, you know, this is a problem. There's a track record of these Muslim refugees in Minnesota, especially the Somalians, carrying out acts of terrorism, and we don't want this. When are they going to put their foot down and, and raise this concern? I don't think that makes you a racist. I don't think that makes you an Islamophobe. I don't think that makes you a bigot. Personally, my life is more important than some Muslim immigrants. And I think that more people in this country need to start waking up and, you know, understanding and putting all these dots together because there's no such thing as a coincidence, right? These patterns are taking place and, you know, smart people would look at these patterns, these terror patterns, and say to themselves, hmm, well, you know, these factors have already proven to be problematic together, so why are we going to, like, place ourselves in this problematic and dangerous situation? I mean, how many more people need to die at the hands of Islamic refugees in this country before people realize that there's a problem? No, you're exactly right. And one thing that's interesting about this one case, uh, this stabbing that happened in November 12th, where authorities say this man, Mahad Adbrimaham, stabbed two brothers in a dressing room at the mall, his motive was not clear until uh, yesterday or just a few days ago. Now, think of this. If any Christian went to any public venue in this country 
and was shouting, uh, you know, their allegiance to Jesus while committing a murder, how long would that motive stay silent? It wouldn't. Honestly, this this may seem like an unpopular opinion, and I may get some flack for saying this, but how long does it take people to look at that name, right? I, I, can't <laughs> no, even, I know. I mean, yeah. you, you look at the guy, you look at what he looks like, and then you look at the name and the fact that he stabbed people. I mean, are people really this politically correct to the point where they can't put two yes. and two together? Hmm, this yeah. guy's obviously Muslim. I mean, this was probably a terrorist attack. I don't, I don't see Jewish people or Christian people walking into the mall and just stabbing people and shouting Allahu Akbar. Right, I mean, the guy, the guy shouts Allahu Akbar. The guy is obviously a Muslim. How long is it going to take people to say, "Hmm, you know, this was an act of Islamic terrorism"? Yeah, what's uh, crazy? And Laura, what's crazy about this is in the statement the lawyer read, uh, this guy says, "I am reaffirming that it was indeed an act of jihad in the way of Allah." But he also goes on to say, which is interesting, which ties into the Super Bowl. Um, Omar Jamal, an activist with the Somali watchdog group, said he is aware of the statement made uh, by the terrorists and said that this is a widespread sentiment with the Somali youth here in our community. <laughs> yeah. And right back to the who's doing the security for the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. yeah. And there, there's another case of this, too, about a month ago, and the media just kind of refused to pick this up. There was a woman who was stabbed 13 times by a Muslim Somalian refugee, and it barely got any attention, but there was a woman, I believe this was about a month ago, literally stabbed 13 times outside of her house or outside of her car. I don't recall all the details, but no one. how come we're not talking about this? How come we're not talking about the fact that a Muslim immigrant is, like, they're going around killing innocent women in Minnesota and stabbing them? Luckily, this woman survived, I believe, but but uh, she could have died, just like this, this other woman died in her car. So, um, you know... People need to start, like I said, placing their lives above political correctness. And, you know, it's becoming so dangerous in this country because people are so scared to be called a racist or an Islamophobe. You can't even speak truth anymore without being called out. But, look, ISIS's MO, a lot of these Islamic terrorists, their, their MO is to attack sporting events and concerts, as we've seen, and they're telling us about it in advance. They're telling us about it in their propaganda videos. They're telling us about it online, that they're going to attack us. And then people just kind of sit back and wait for it to happen. And then everyone acts surprised when it does happen. Boy, yeah. how, how true is that? And, and I totally agree with you, too, about the name. And, and maybe I'll get flack, too. But it's interesting to watch the media when they get a hold of the name of the perpetrator. And it signifies you know, either an, an Arab, perhaps, or uh, in the case of Muhammad, for example, uh, you know, the Islamic aspect, how quickly or how how slow they are to release the name as opposed to um, a more generic name, you know, American name. So They're I, afraid of spreading Islamophobia, but you can't really, you can't really prevent people from feeling the way they feel. It's not a crime to dislike Muslims or it's not a crime to dislike Islam in this country. I mean, eventually when you have a group of people committing these heinous crimes and acts and they keep on doing it and, you know, we keep on bringing these people into our country, you can't you can't be criticizing people or uh, try to try to villainize them simply for having these negative sentiments, which is why and look, this may be unpopular too, and this I've, I've received I've received a lot of flack over this statement, but that's why I really don't believe there is anything like Islamic Islamophobia, in my opinion, does not exist, right? Correct. Because if you look mm-hmm. at phobia, a phobia is an irrational fear, and it's not irrational to fear people who want to kill you. 
right? If you're a woman or if you're an American or a Westerner or a Jew or a Christian, pretty much anybody who's not Islamic, you have a legitimate reason to fear Islam. Because if you read the Quran, it's against you, right? You're, you're an infidel. And, and people are constantly trying to bend this and reinterpret the Quran and convince people. You have all these Muslim advocacy groups that are trying to convince people that, that, um, oh, no, 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 it's just an interpretation. You know, like when, when you have a book that's directly telling people to, to murder Jews and murder Christians and you have imams literally like a month ago all across the country telling people to kill Jews following Trump's Jerusalem decision, <laughs> we have a problem here. Yeah, exactly. Right? And does that make me a bad person because I don't want to associate with people like that? Does that make me a bad person because I'm speaking out against, uh, you know, what, what people are, are literally saying and literally preaching? Wait, wait, like you, said, no, people need to wake. You're you're right, and when it comes to the point where we can we cannot even have an in, an intellectual and honest intellectual discussion uh, about these matters, we've got a problem in this country. So, so you're precise. In, um, it's called discernment, and this is what yeah. so many people lack in this day and age to be politically correct or to appear to be something for somebody else in fear of you know being called a racist or anti-muslim but it's discernment and and i've noticed that uh people who have uh, foundations in faith have a lot more discernment than anybody else and it is um it's amazing to me that you know people who commit terrorist attacks are shielded by the media and then we are labeled racist for calling it out for what it is it it should be obvious to everyone my example look what happened to me i mean following the following the terrorist attack in new york city on halloween I, I said to myself, I, I posted on Twitter that I wasn't going to get in an Uber or a taxi driver with any Islamic yeah. drivers because the Uber driver, uh, well, the guy who killed all those people on Halloween turned out to be an Islamic immigrant Uber driver. And this is a pattern that happens with Uber and a lot of these ride-sharing apps is they employ individuals from Islamic countries who are raping women on a daily basis. They're committing acts of terrorism. They're committing brutal crimes, and it's going unreported. And instead of saying, hey, we're going to fix our policy and not employ Muslim terrorists, they said, oh, we're going to ban Laura Loomer because she's a racist and an Islamophobe and violated our terms of service. And then what happens a month later or a month and a half later in New York City, you have another Muslim tried to blow up the Port Authority bus station in New York City. And they tried to rush over the fact that he was So what are we doing? Right? Why are we why are we trying to shoot the messenger and not address the problem? How many more people need to die? I mean, these companies are literally aiding and abetting terrorists by giving them a free pass and not calling it what it is. And and when you refuse to call them what it is, you're enabling it. You're you're literally showing these terrorists that they have the upper hand and showing them that they can get away with it because our own people, our own leaders in this country are too scared to literally say Islamic terrorism or or you know mm-hmm. or point out flaws and aspects of Islam that that are that are uh, are factual. I don't know. Well, well that. Me. Will that ever change? Do you think? Do you think that that uh, will we will we get to a tipping point where we say, you know what, we've got to address this, whether it's immigration or whether it's. Uh, I think so. I think I honestly, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, I think we're going to have another nine eleven style attack in this country, 
And I think only then people are really going to realize that we have a problem. I thought that 9-11 was a big enough wake-up call for people, but apparently 3,000 Americans getting, you know, blown up in in uh, an Islamic terrorist attack wasn't enough for some people to realize that we are at war with Islam, right? Uh, so I think that what's going to happen is there's going to be another horrible attack, and a lot of people are going to die, probably more people than 9-11. And then finally, you know, maybe people will realize look, there's a problem. But um, apparently, like, the left, the left seems to need more people to die in order for them to wake up. And even when more people die, they're still not capable of waking up. I mean, you look at Orlando, for example, and look at how many liberals and gay people in this country are still defending Islam and still aligning themselves with, with Islamic practices, despite the fact that, you know, 49 of their own were literally murdered by a Muslim terrorist. Nothing, not even the most heinous murders, the most heinous attacks are enough for these people to wake up and realize uh, there's a problem. But uh, unfortunately, we're seeing this all around the world. We're seeing it in Europe as Europe becomes totally transformed. And I don't think it's going to be until, um, and maybe maybe it will never happen, but I think that people are only going to get their wake-up call when there's a severe catastrophe or some horrible, horrible event that takes place. My goodness. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm afraid you are correct. And, and I think even then, I, I don't know what it's going to take because you've got this massive push for um, this this fake utopia that, that people believe that invite them in, everyone can get along with, with each other, everyone will assimilate when, in fact, that that's not their intent. Have you, getting back to the super... Getting back to the Super Bowl, I want to ask you this. Um, have you seen anything specific with regard to threats at the Super Bowl from uh, Arabic language uh, websites or materials about this Super Bowl, uh, threats directly to this Super Bowl? Just curious. I, I don't know if you're... Well, ISIS has a publication called Dabiq, and in Dabiq they talk about how they want their ISIS terrorists, their fellow supporters, to attack U.S. sporting events. So... Um, they've already threatened to attack, uh, like soccer games, really big events in Europe. And, um, I don't, I don't know if there's been any, like, specific mentions. I'll have to, you know, go look. I'm sure there are for, like, targeting, targeting the Super Bowl. But I know for a fact that in their publications and their propaganda videos, they have said, please, you know, please attack, uh, Western sporting events. So if you look at, if you think of, like, the most popular sporting events, you think of the Olympics and the Super Bowl and, maybe like the World Cup. There's probably a few more, but the Super Bowl, for sure, if you're trying to harm Americans. I mean, it's supposed. it used to be a very pro-America event, but now the NFL has kind of transformed it into this, you know, like propaganda arm for the left. And, uh, you know, the whole patriotic aspect of, of, of the football and the Super Bowl has kind of been, uh, been depleted. But it would be the perfect location and the perfect event for an ISIS terrorist attack. Yes, it would. And many people, uh, as we see the symbolism in previous Super Bowls and Olympics, this is, uh, you know, I guess the, one of the holy grails of, uh, potential terrorist attacks because it is, you know, such a celebrated event and, um, you know, never before has anything like that happened and it's on the world stage and all the, um, all the, the parts for a recipe of disaster are there. So it is something that we're definitely going to have to keep our eye on. Laura, we only got a few minutes left. I want to make sure I get your, thoughts on what we see happening in Washington, D.C. today. The memo, the FISA memo has been voted to be released. 
we learn that the FBI director, Christopher Wray, read the memo yesterday. Today, McCabe is out. What do you expect to see happening here? Well, I think it's it's going to cause a lot of outrage among the American people. It already is. You have representatives in Congress already saying that on a scale of like one to ten, it's like a nine. You have Jason Chaffetz coming out saying that it's like you know like one of the most disgusting things he, he's ever read. And uh, you know who knows? Maybe this could all just be like very bombastic political language. But I believe that you're going to see a lot of resignations. I know Sarah Carter came out today and said that more resignations are going to be expected from the FBI. And I think that it's going to really uh, put the Democrats and the FBI and a lot of these like left-leaning leaning politicians who have and officials who have tried to really just sabotage they, their their behavior has been completely treasonous. We're going to see that these people are going to be buried deep. And who knows? I mean, the state of the union is tomorrow. I I really hope that Donald Trump. Now that this uh, memo has been delivered to the White House, decides to read a few pages yeah. of it or read it to the State of the Union just so that he can really show uh, the American public how low, how disgusting, uh, you know, the left, the left is when it comes to um, combating their opposition. No, you're absolutely right, and you know, no, Trump will have the Americans' people attention tomorrow evening more so than any other time of the year, really, uh, with the State yeah. of the Union address. So there's not a better time for him to do this and uh, hopefully he does do you think that maybe why he we uh people are commenting on his silence on twitter with all that's going on today uh thinking that he's got something he really wants to say soon but it's not going to put it out on twitter do you think um yeah. more heads are going to roll yeah i think more heads are going to roll i mean look mccabe wouldn't have wouldn't have been removed they, they they tried to spin it and say that he resigned but then they came out and said he was removed right he was literally removed by the ig so you have to think to yourself if somebody is being removed from their position and not really given the chance to resign it's it's pretty bad and another thing that's pretty appalling to me is if he's been removed and this is so damaging why is he receiving what they're calling terminal leave why is he literally getting paid or he gets to keep his pension while he is not um Good you know his position of power. Why are we having to pay for this? Why does the tax why do why as an American taxpayer or taxpayers do we have to pay for uh, deep state swamp monsters to receive their cushy paychecks and pension plans when all they've been doing is working to like sabotage uh sabotage the presidency and undermine undermine uh the constitution. Very, Absolutely. very good point. Our guest is Laura Loomer yes. at Laura Loomer on Twitter. Also, uh, help her out by supporting her on her PayPal. Absolutely. The links are right there on the Twitter or paypal.me slash Laura Loomer. Just go to Twitter and all the links are there. And you know, um, you've been very gracious with your time. Thank you so very much. We really appreciate you coming on, giving us updates about everything. Um, hey, keep at it. Uh, you're, you're tenacious, you're effective, and uh, we're glad you're on our side. Thank you. All right. for having me. Thank you. That was Laura Loomer as we head into the top of the hour break. Uh, you know, we are lucky. I, look, I, I think we're very fortunate to have people, uh, for example, citizen journalists who are out there in the field. We used to call you, hey, back in the day, I mean, this is, you, you burn shoe leather. Um, you know, the, the, the gumshoe uh, aspect of things. I never got anything done sitting behind the desk. It was always in the field, and, and that's I, I, when Joe came on. What do you do all day now? Sit behind the desk. Well, <laughs> okay. hey, I've earned that, right? Uh, uh, but, but but you know, when when Joe came on, 
uh, it was always you teach people not behind a desk. You don't learn in a classroom. You learn in the field. And the most effective results you have going out and learning in the field. You burn shoe leather. You burn the the, the, the rubber off your tires. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how you get things done. And she's doing it. Others are doing it. And we should be grateful that we live in an age today where this is exactly what we're seeing. Now, a couple of housekeeping items of note. SeatGeek.com. Promo code Hagman for $20 off. Download the app. Sign up. Do it. Also, SimplySafe.com forward slash Hagman, simplysafe.com slash Hagman. Uh, fantastic. Look, I trust security to simply safe for my family, for the office, for the studio, and for my home. Joe. All right. When we come back, Lisa Haven will be with us. Don't forget, tomorrow evening, the State of the Union starts at 9 p.m. We're going to broadcast our first two hours live, and then we're going to go right to the State of the Union So you're not going to have to switch your dial if you want to see both our show and the president's speech tomorrow. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. January 29th, 2018. We got Lisa Haven coming up in just a few moments. We're going to get her take on all the breaking news out of Washington, D.C. The Again, the House voted to release the FISA memo. We're all anxiously awaiting to see what is actually in it. And <clears throat> excuse me, more interesting to me is what the counterpoints, the counter-talking points, how is the media going to spin this? And I know a lot of people are thinking, well, why do you care how the media spins this? Well, I do care because we seem to have this uh, divide in this country with people who, and it seems to fall along these lines, people who support Donald Trump and people who are against Donald Trump. And it seems that everything stems from there. And just an example of what I'm talking about, um, we have this article from, this was on Drudge earlier today, Students Hate Trump's State of the Union Before It Even Happens. This is an article from Campus Reform. Donald Trump's State of the Union address is coming up this Tuesday, but some students have gotten a sneak peek because they already hated it. What this guy did is he took a microphone and went around on some campus, I don't know uh, where, New York University, and he asked students their opinion of President Trump's State of the Union address. Now, obviously, that's not till tomorrow. And what he did is throw a few nuggets out there, you know, uh, saying things like uh, Donald Trump's State of the Union, he chanted against immigrants, or it was, uh, you know, people are saying that it, it was really bad in this area or that area. And without missing a beat, everybody who he, he uh, showed on this video talks to, answers the questions in amazement to me that they have already seen the State of the Union address, but they haven't, obviously. And they're just, instead of, nobody says, I don't know, I didn't see the address. They're all commenting as though they've seen it, just based on their preconceived hate for Donald Trump. And this is a huge problem in our country. As I said, it it seems that the political divide, since Trump has come along, is either uh, with him, with his agenda and ideology, which is a Christian conservative ideology and belief system, or against it. And we've talked many uh, at length about this being, uh, at heart, a spiritual battle 
and it, and it really is whether you uh, believe in uh, God or not we believe it is definitely a spiritual battle at its roots and we are uh, seeing this play out just all in, in every area it's everything is becoming politicized and we talked about the, even the Grammys last night um, just the, the next newest award show that is jumping on the anti-Trump bandwagon making a fool of themselves continuing to decline in the ratings as it's struggling for relevance and we see this whole entertainment industry, the whole media industry, the whole political industry, everybody coming against Trump. Well, now the shoe's on the other foot. We see the corruption, the abuses of power uh, in the FBI, in the DOJ, in the top levels of the executive branch under Obama. And now the, the information is coming out that the FBI was corrupt, that the DOJ was corrupt, the people inside at the top levels were corrupt. And they were using their power to subvert the president of the United States during his campaign, after he was elected, and after he was in office. It has come out today that Rosenstein, and I have to verify this, but that Rosenstein put surveillance on Trump staff members after he was inaugurated, while he was in the White House. And apparently this FISA memo is going to sh- in detail this. So we're, we'll talk more about that later. We have our guest with us, Lisa Haven. Her website is lisahavennews.com, at lisa, lisahaven.news, and at lisahaven on Twitter. Lisa, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Well, thank you for having me. I'm uh, so excited to be here again with you guys. Well, we're excited to have you, and what a what a day to uh, come back on the show. You have uh, McCabe either stepping down or, or being forced out by Christopher Rye or Donald Trump, depending on what news organization you listen to. The vote on the FISA memo, um, it's going to be released. We know that it has been delivered to the White House. He's already said previously that he will release it, but he has five days to do so. We have the State of the Union coming up tomorrow, and we have all and everything going on in between uh, with the media and Hollywood and the Grammys. Where do you want to start, Lisa? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different places we can start, but obviously uh, Andrew McCabe, he's... Um, been, I think, removed, obviously, and uh, he was scheduled to retire, and I know you guys have brought this up already, but scheduled to retire in March, and here he is just, you know, weeks before, and he's being removed from office, and at the same time, we've got the FISA memo uh, coming out, being released, and it's no coincidence, I think, uh, that he's got some involvement in that, and obviously other big players that we've known about, Obama, Hillary, uh, Rosenstein, McCabe, James Comey, all invo- involved, I believe. Uh, I'm hoping for names. I think we're going to get some names uh, in that release. And I'm also hoping that Donald Trump reads it tomorrow at the State of Union address. So, <laughs> Yeah. So let's start with McCabe. We have, uh, as you said, he was planning on uh, resigning or stepping down in, in March 18th, I believe, was the date. And... Uh, here well, today during our daily show, on nice daily show. Until that day. yeah, we hear he's stepping down. So we, on our show on the daily show, we that was we first learned about it. We talked a little bit about the arguments the media was going to make as to why he stepped down. And sure enough, as soon as he got done with the show, went to CNN and they made all those arguments in five minutes. One, they said that Trump had created a toxic environment at the FBI and McCabe was going to resign anyway. He's had enough, so he quit. Then we we heard that uh, Trump forced out. Uh, McCabe, as we heard the Jim Acosta and, and the Sarah Huckabee Sanders press conference and the questions that were in there, and now it is seeming like the the one uh, real story, the accurate story, is that Christopher Ray, the 
uh, director of the FBI, saw the memo yesterday, called the came into the office today, said, you know, you got to get out of here. That seems to be what really happened. I think so. I mean, we have Christopher Ray pressuring him beforehand, you know, to step down. We know Trump didn't want him in there. Uh, as far as I'm under the, <laughs> I mean, I didn't want him in there either. I mean, when we take the amount of corruption that, I mean, we have, we have even the emails, you know, that came out a while back between, uh, Peter, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and, you know, everything from secret societies to deleted emails that are now, uh, being brought back to the surface. But, um, I mean, the mainstream media, it's pretty much the opposite. We already know that because when CNN puts something on or MSNBC or ABC, they always try to make their side look a little better. And of course they're going to say, oh, well, he's scheduled to retire. He didn't like Trump. Uh, that's going to be their typical answer because they don't want to admit the actual facts of what's going on. And that is this, this memo, uh, that I can't wait to read. I can't wait. And I know I'm, I'm pretty positive Donald Trump's going to sign on to that thing and, and let us get this out in the open, but uh, I can't wait to read it. Now, I've even skimmed through. There is a report that got linked on uh, or was on InfoWars and a, a FISA memo that was kind of the basis for that. 99 and I've pages. Read, that was yeah, on, 99 yeah. pages. And that was uh, April 26th of uh, 2017. It was released. It was a product of an internal audit. I didn't mean to interrupt you, by the way. But, oh, no, that's uh, but, but we, we had this discussion last week because many people had sent us emails. I mean, I must have got close to a thousand emails saying, did you know the FISA memo was released? No, no, it wasn't. It, it was this, it was this publication that we've had that, that, uh, is damning in and of itself, but nonetheless, and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're right. This, it's, it's just a basis, if you will. It's not the FISA memo. It's not, uh, the main draft of it, that's obviously thousands of pages, which, you know, we've gotten down to those four pages. But this is one, I think, that needed a fresh look, a French, fresh attention to it because of everything that was going on. Uh, but in that particular one, I, I went through it in some details. Uh, but the NSA analysis of, you know, bringing in Section 702, which is supposed to put stipulations on, you know, you can monitor or uh, listen to conversations of non-U.S. people, but obviously, this is one memo that got overlooked and pushed by the mainstream media as old, saying, oh, yeah, it's old news because they don't want you to know what's inside of it, when in reality, we need to pay attention to what's inside of this memo also, uh, because I believe it does serve as kind of like a grounding for that one, because a lot of what was in it got ignored, even though it was back April of last year. A lot of it hasn't been brought to the surface and freshly brought to the surface because it does detail uh, straight up um, – uh, you know, by our government, by people, you know, doing things such as uh, spying on the American people through, you know, you, you've got your this person contacted, this person contacted, this person. And so through that stream, you're going to go ahead and monitor tons of American citizens because everybody has contact with everybody who's had contact with this one foreigner. And that's a lot of things that were kind of spilled in this particular memo. But if, if we start there and then we go forward onto this four-page memo, which I can't wait to get my hands on, uh, I think we're going to see corruption, uh, you know, I think um, maybe from the Christopher Steele dossier, who funded that, which we already know, the DNC. They, they paid parts of it and, and, and trails into the Clinton organization. So I'm hopeful to see a lot of that in it as well. I, I totally agree. And I've just got to, perhaps this is one of the most important issues of the day. Diesel, how's he doing? <laughs> can you see him here? Let me we see. We can. He's, he's snoozing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can hear him snoozing. Say hi, Hanky. 
Say hi. See, gotta love the pets. You, you, you know, <laughs> um, to all of our viewers, all right. Uh, there, there comes a time when you just have to look at our, our four-legged friends, the best friends, and, and just just enjoy the fact that they're with us in these heavy news days. And of course, Diesel, uh, what a trooper. And Lisa, thank you so much for uh, humoring me with that. Oh, okay, getting back to the hard hard news here. The um, and thank you for humoring me with that. Um, the four page executive summary that that is based on tens of thousands of of uh, documents and the uh, numerous interviews. Now, here's what based on Trey Gowdy, what he had said, although he's a senator. But he's got, right, Senator Gowdy. Is, I don't. Is, wait a minute. Representative Gowdy. No, he's not a senator. Well, what the heck just happened here? I, just, I think house. I think I just might have had a meltdown there for a moment. He's in the house. He's not a yeah. senator. House member Trey Gowdy. I'm sorry, boy. Talk about embarrassing. It's uh, hard to keep all these. Uh, I'm going uh, to work with my alphabet tomorrow. It's hard to keep all these people. And I mean, we've never seen so many. You know, we thought the Obama administration <clears> suffered in its eight years a lot of scandals. Just look, <laughs> and this is the opposite. Under the pre- under President Trump, you have more scandals in the Obama administration, but they're not in his administration. Yeah, they're detailing free. the other administration and the agencies surrounding the executive branch that have been caught with their hands in the cookie jar. And this is what I don't understand, Lisa, is, okay, and I said this in, in the first hour, one thing that should be very apparent about the abuses of uh, the surveillance court and the, the FBI and DOJ basically weaponizing that court for personal political gain is this should not be a partisan issue. This should not be a left versus right or a Trump uh, you know, versus the world issue when we're talking about the severity of corruption at the FBI and at the DOJ. This should be a non. Since when is corruption in Washington a non or a real partisan issue? I mean, you have your your fall guys on either side that come along partisan lines, but this should not be a partisan issue at all. Yet here we are, and this is all that the left has left is to politicize this, is to say this is a witch hunt against you know the FBI, against McCabe, and he like he's some kind of victim here. But never have we yeah. seen this amount of of criminality all come to the surface at once. Now I'm getting word here. That President Trump will not release his State of the Union speech ahead of time, which I can't, I don't know if that's true. I've never seen that before, which is very interesting. Um, but if you had to guess, how do you think that, say we, the memo comes out, say it is as bad as we think it is. It, it names names and it details the areas uh, of the abuses that were carried out. How can the left spin this? How can they cover this up? That's the thing. Well, like we know, the, the counter memo, it got denied, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you see, this is the thing. Adam Schiff, the author of the counter memo, didn't even, would not even release it to the Republican members of the committee. So they didn't have anything to look at. So, of course, they're not going to vote to release it because they don't even know what it is. Right. So that's stopping a lot of it right from the get-go. Here we have, let's just get the memo out and stop this counter thing. So here's here's the thing. They're going to spin it in some way, shape, or form, or, or I think, if anything, they'll find someone to pin it on. Uh, that seems to be, if they don't have an out, they'll pin it on someone, and somebody will be the fall guy for that, whoever they pin that to be. Uh, and I think that's a possibility that we could see with what's going to be leaked. But I think you've got a good point here, and I, and I kind of want to go back to what you said a moment ago. The massive amount of corruption that we're seeing is unheard of. I mean, we are at 
high levels. I mean, we know the mainstream media is covering for him. We can tell by, you know, today what they're saying about Andrew McKay, what they're saying about the FISA memo, what they've been saying for the past year about Donald Trump. We know these are all things that they're attending to cover and and push anyway. So they're all corrupt. And here's what uh, I think both those on the far left and those on the far right and those in between, I mean, everybody from left to right in between need to realize is that we are not, it's not a left and right issue per se. It's a corruption issue. This involves corruption of the highest order. And when the Democratic Party uh, is covering that corruption, this needs to wake up people who are Democrats, who are part of that party. It's like, let's listen to what they're saying here. And, and it really is just this massive corruption within the DNC, within which, you know, we, we know spearheads a lot of that to the Clinton Foundation. Obama, who put his stamp on a, of approval on a ton of it. But if you're a Democrat out there listening, you have to pay attention to the level of corruption that's going on. And the whistle has to be blown on that. And somebody has to say it's not that left or right issue. It's a matter of corruption. And I think we do need to keep that at the heart of what's going on here, because I think that is a way that um, we can wake up part of the sleeping half is on that common ground with this FISA memo. We can say these are the real things that are happening. This is why uh, our, our the House of Representatives and and our government wanted to get this to the American people because of the level of what it contains. And And look, let's just be honest. It should be a constitutional issue is it stepping on our rights of privacy is it infringing on uh you know what rights we have uh, as you know american citizens and then ultimately at the very top of that are the people that we voted to be in charge following the rules and regulations uh that we've agreed upon as a government and i think that we definitely need to focus on that and no and and if we focus on that then no matter what their counter is the American people are going to see them for the corruption that they really are. I'm hopeful. But then you have the mainstream media who obviously yeah. throws a tangent into it. Yeah, they do. And I guess that was one of my uh, – we, we've been looking at the, this memo and the FBI personnel for so long now and the corruption there that uh, it's about time it's finally coming out. And as we uh, – our speculation was right, exactly where we thought this memo was going to go and what it was going to do as far as uh, seeing personnel leave. And this is just the very beginning but one thing that I've been thinking about is how are how is the left going to be able to spin this? Because as you said, they always try to spin it, and not only do they spin it, but then and lie about it, but then they always try to make themselves look better. And so I, I can see all the the different ways that are coming out. But the qu- real question is, is it going to be taken seriously by the percentage of the American public who are against Trump? And this is where that's a good question. I, I I don't think it's going to. I think we are so divided that this is the way uh, it's just going to fall along these lines. But regardless, it still has to happen. The information has to come out, and the people need to be held accountable. Now, Lisa, I want to ask you this. This is something that's been overlooked a lot in this debate and, and uh, storyline. The uh, FISA Intelligence Surveillance Court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, FISA, was voted on to be reauthorized just maybe a, not even a month ago by the same people in the House who saw these great abuses of the FISA system to spy on Trump and associates. But wasn't it Why modified? did they vote that they gave him more power? How okay. how did they I guess where's the disconnect here? How with one side of their mouth can they say, you know, this happened and it, these uh the Democrats and the left abused uh misrepresented information to the FISA court to get warrants on a presidential candidate and then president elect. But how can in the same side of their mouth they, you know, 
vote to reauthorize and give this program more power without addressing the um, the obviously gaps of uh, security and oversight here. Yeah, you know, that did kind of, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about because I felt the same way when they went about that. And, you know, the answer, I, I, you know, it's hard to put a pinned answer on that other than once they have the power, they kind of want to keep it. It's that old saying, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely unless it's set into check by the American people. And the truth be told, uh, you know, it kind of went under the radar. It wasn't talked about in mainstream media when they when it was back on the table. It was something that was a fly-by-night, just really done under the radar. Mm-hmm. And I think they took advantage of that. And and it's, it's one of those things, well, nobody's really paying attention to this. We'd like to keep the power, even though we know that there is major corruption in it. But if we go ahead and pass this thing and, and get this thing done and and then, uh, you know, re- keep it on the table, so to speak. Uh, then we can release the FISA memo, show the corruption, and all eyes are going to be on that anyway. Uh, so I think it's one of those kinds of things. It's let's keep the power that we have in case we need it. The American people don't really care, even though we do and we're awake. Uh, but it was just so there was so much other things going on at the time that everybody had their eyes elsewhere. And the attention that should have been brought to that wasn't at that time. And they took advantage of that situation, kind of like a distraction. And that's that's kind of how I see what played out. And then to top it off. Um, on January 20th, just a few days ago, Trump signed it into law. So um, he's another one that uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, it, it's very, I don't like everything he does. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> that not. one I'm not proud of, you know. And I'm like, what? You know, you know, there's some things that he does that are great, and I'm all for. It, and other things I want to knock him over the head over. And, and I'm not making excuses for him, but but I, I think as presented to him, the the bill as presented. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, hey, I just called uh, Trey Gotti a senator, so I, I could be <laughs> totally wrong. Um, there, there's no line item option, uh, veto option there, is there? No, he has the power. Not to say. I mean, he, in other words, it's all or nothing in terms of approving, yeah. signing off on the bill. I, okay. I, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I'm not a hundred percent though. Yeah, you know what? I'm not either. You're saying like he he uh, can't he can't make like changes say, and go back and say pass it this way or or, or can he? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I would say no, but I don't know. That's a good okay. Question. And it's just because I agree with you. I mean, there are a lot of things there that, that I think Donald Trump as president is is probably um, negotiating behind the scenes, perhaps. But also, I think that he's giving the people a lot of rope by which they will hang, perhaps. Even literally, um, well, you know, I'm not going to make any jokes about that, but but maybe even uh, we'll get to that point. Do you expect to see at the end of the day? Now, I do, but I'm asking you: um, Will people be prosecuted? I sure hope so. Um, if what we think is in this memo comes out, then somebody is going to have to pay the price. Somebody's going to have to. You do something and there's going to have to be something done. There's, there's, uh, far too much evidence mounting on, on every level and, and it just keeps coming more and more and more. Uh, so I honestly do think there are going to be, you know, there, there is going to be some people in some serious trouble. Hopefully we got indictments. Hopefully, hopefully somebody has 
uh, fired and even more hopefully somebody goes to jail, <laughs> you know, but right. that is my hope. And I honestly do think somebody's going to have to, to, to pay for this, if you will. I agree. Jay, Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's so much to these, these scandals from the covering up of the, and the exoneration of the Hillary Clinton email to the tarmac meeting from that with, with Lorinch. There's so many people who were involved in this. And, uh, if, if people are not held accountable, because obviously, uh, there's a big difference from what Comey said, you know, the no intent versus intent. These people were intent and even talked about, <laughs> yeah. you know, ways to subvert Donald Trump. They're the insurance policy, the secret societies, whether you're, classifying that as a joke and bad taste or for what it really oh, is yeah lisa remind me to ask her about the intent or the uh yeah. insurance policy well, go ahead well i just wanted to say that people need to go to jail and unless it happens in a very public way uh, the american public are not going to trust the institutions of our government like the fbi like the doj Unless there is something, uh, unless people are really held accountable, and I'm not even just talking about, you know, a few years in uh, Clinton for, uh, you know, fraud. I'm talking about treason and sedition and other charges that need to be applied here because these people need to be made examples of. And if these people aren't made examples of, what's going to stop the next batch of, you know, swamp monsters from trying to pull the same thing? And this is why it's so important. This is, of all the things that we've seen, of all the threats to America and national security we've seen recently, and for as much as the left likes to, you know, yap about Trump being just that threat, these people are a much bigger threat to the freedom and safety of this country than anything we've seen in recent memory. And the what, what's most alarming to me is that the media doesn't bat an eye when covering it up and even will turn around and act like they're the victims, the ones who carried this out. Like today, McCabe was a victim of Trump's bullying in the FBI. It's so disingenuous <laughs> and hard to watch well sometimes. Well, the good news is I think the American public is starting to see that. Even even ones that are avid watchers of CNN, I think I think they're really starting to wake up because every day channels like yours and mine, our numbers are growing. More people are are you know I get emails all the time you know about the corruption within the mainstream media. Oh, I gave watching you know CNN up. I can't stand it anymore. And people want the real deal. And look. Let's be frank, you and I and, and everyone who's doing what we do here on YouTube, on the radio, on the Internet, we don't have someone pulling our strings telling us what we can and can't say. We don't have someone saying, you're paid this amount of money and you have to talk about this and take this view. Uh, and everyone has now known through through channels like mine, channels like yours, that they are bought and paid for by six corporations uh, and they're, they're controlled. It's all a money ploy. And even... I did a report, I don't know, uh, about a year ago, in which Obama, un, or a couple of years ago, he, he wanted to put monitors in mainstream media's newsrooms to monitor and make sure that they're on the right track. Talk, talk about George Orwell, 1984. But people really know what's going on. And, and, and if I encourage everybody to Google, like there's um, clips of... I don't know how else to word this, but there's clips of the mainstream media, and they each say the exact same verbiage. And it's interesting. Like, you could play it from CNN, MSNBC, ABC, and all these different channels, and they all have the exact same words. It's like they're all owned by the same person or, you know, all have the same slant. <laughs> And so if you guys haven't Googled that, Google some of that because it's it's a riot, and it just shows – how bought and paid for and corrupt and manipulated and just, you know, the level that they're on. And that's why people are turned off. And and that's the good thing, that they're turning to channels like ours 
as long as we're not being censored and still allowed on air. And that's, uh, you know, had Hillary gotten in in presidency, I don't know where we would be right now. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, it's, uh, just imagine that. Um, that, that's just a, a nightmare thinking about Hillary Clinton being president. That's, <laughs> yeah, and I want to talk about her because the Grammys. Well, yeah, but before I forget, I, I mentioned this earlier. Um, in your research, in your investigations, have you found anything to suggest that the insurance policy, as referenced by Strzok, Page, in McCabe's office, was more than the, merely the, um, uh, the the Russian collusion narrative? Could it have been something a little bit more nefarious? Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, even if it's a gut like feeling. Like you're talking like if, if they were talking assassination, like right. that kind of thing. You know, right. I, I've i heard rumors that, that it was in there, you know, not a solid, you know, so, something solid, yet obviously we, we need to get our hands on some of that. But there is definitely, when you, when they're talking about, as Tory Gowdy uh, had come out and said, there's they were talking about secret societies uh, of meetings, or basically it it's, I would reference it as a cabal of sorts against Donald Trump, a cabal of people gathered together that hate Donald Trump. That was kind of the reference of the secret society in that particular emailed text. Uh, but when they're talking about things like that, people who are supposed to be making certain decisions within the FBI, uh, then we've got a real problem when they have a particular bias. So it's evident from the get-go that there's a bias on Donald Trump, that they are out to take him down in some way, shape, or form. But how to take him down, I think, is the real question. Whether they, they wanted to pin on this Russia collusion, which obviously is because they went as far as uh, the Christopher Steele fake dossier uh, that they put together. And, I th- and I'm hoping we're going to find more information on that directly linked to the DNC, directly linked to the Clinton camp. Uh, and of course, the FBI and, you know, the people who are all in this secret cabal against Donald Trump. And that's what it is. And whether or not there is, you know, some kind of assassination talk, I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't put it past them the way that uh, we've seen things go so far because I, you know, they assassinated presidents before. Some of the best presidents we've had have been assassinated, JFK. And so these are things that, you know, I truly pray for Donald Trump every day in my prayers because I am hopeful that he stays and gets on, uh, you know, again in 2020 and, and, and he moves on and takes this country to where we need to go. And I, and I just want to encourage everybody to do likewise because we really need to because we're fighting some pretty hardcore people who right now could be indicted, could be in severe trouble, and they could set off uh, some kind of reaction or, or do something crazy. So now is the time to pray. Yeah. Yeah, and that's boy, that's key. And, and prayers work. And, and people who don't believe in that, well, to, to those who do, please pray. Pray for the protection of of our president as well as the uh, protection of our country. I, th- I think that I, I really think, Lisa, that we are in perhaps one of the most dangerous periods in modern American history. Um, the, the the way things are going, and, and these are cornered rats. These are these are feral animals, in my view, that have been caught. In, in Clintons, Podestas, um, I, the the list is long. Um, and, and, and I would urge everyone to think bigger. I don't know about you, but I would urge everyone to think bigger than what we're seeing because 
as I started out this morning by saying, I think this is going to be a very historic week with the State of the Union tomorrow, the release of the the signing off of the four-page memo today. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That, that four-page document is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, it, it, more is coming from that or subsequent to that. I think so. I mean, we're getting more leakers. We've got Project Veritas, I think, who is essential. They're leaking stuff about CNN and the mainstream media, Twitter. As you know, uh, they did some recent reports on them. But we've got average, everyday people who are now standing up against it. And uh, WikiLeaks, obviously, Julian Assange. We have people, just average people, fighting back and saying, let's get this information to the public. We're sick and tired of it. We want our country back. We want America back. And that leads me into the Grammys. That's why their ratings were just so bad. I mean, it was... Yeah, because because all they do is bash Donald Trump and the American people. I, more people are starting to stand for Donald Trump, I think, than against. They just paint this picture like that's the case, but people don't want to hear it anymore. They see the good that he's been doing, and there's people converting. Uh, even Democrats, you know, are are in for Donald Trump. Uh, all kinds of people. But the thing is, you know, when you have people like Hillary Clinton attending the Grammys, which I will confess I did not watch because I just didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I heard a lot about it and her reading of that. What was the thing she Fire read? Fire and Fury, Fire. Michael Wolf's book. Yeah. I yes. Didn't, I didn't watch it either, but uh, Mark Dice did a video uh, on that this morning, which was pretty funny, and uh, I got to see some of the headlines. But yeah, Hillary won't go away. Is it because she's still relevant to the left? Is it these election hopes that that uh, or dreams from the left on the election that she's still? Why won't they just? Why, why can't she fade away like every other failed presidential candidate? You know what I think? I think she's uh, saving her rear end. Like, in all honesty, she's got the corruption with the uranium one deal, and it's haunting her. Now we have we have the ties with the dossier. We have, you know, these emails. We have now the four-page memo that's coming out. So I honestly think that she's keeping herself in the limelight, and she's she's at the top there. She is... Uh, at the top of some of the corruption, most of the corruption that we're seeing. So she's a key player. Uh, and if somebody sets her card off, well, there's going to be multiple cards going off, so to speak. But uh, I think that the more that she thinks she stays in the limelight, the more she stays in the public, uh, I think uh, she believes, you know, that it's going to be harder for them to get her. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't think of any other reason why we keep seeing her crazy face <laughs> plastered everywhere. I'm like done. I just want to see the woman in orange and behind a bar. I'm like I'm good. That's right. I, I, I love it. I love it. And feel free, by the way, to, to to expand the conversation. Take us anywhere where you're focused. Um, I mean, we've got so much. You mentioned uranium one. I I, I think that that perhaps um, is one of the most underreported stories, even in the new honest media in our realm uh because it's it's a very complex and a very lengthy um conspiracy and and crime scene i mean if you talk about a crime scene you're in multiple you know uh, uh crime scenes and the timeline is so so long um the the emails and you can't really talk about hillary's emails unless you drag obama into it because of the uh pseudonyms used by by barack obama and he had to know and then the awan scandal and all of these the awan the um, pakistani infiltration into the uh congressional it staff um it's mind-blowing so i do believe 
that this is going to be the week that's going to start the dominoes to fall vis- visibly. I think it's been working beyond the scenes. But, um, yeah, go ahead. I hope so, too. Diesel snoring. <laughs> you you got you to love that. When I do my morning show, I bring my dog into with me into the studio. <laughs> I wake her up, and, and she has got a little bed underneath the desk, and she snores away, too. Sometimes it goes over the microphone, so it's kind of neat to, to have her. So if you hear a little... <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's not me. (laughs) That's a dog. (laughs) But no, you know, and that's the thing. There are so many, like, I mean, it's almost hard to, you know, forget about the Owani brothers, forget about uh, Owan brothers, excuse me, forget about the Uranium One deal because there's almost a new scandal every day, you know. And so I think we're starting to lose track of all the scandals when in reality there's so, uh, we need to, like, put a whole poster board up, you know, and, and kind of connect all the dots between all the different scandals. And I think that would be that would be the ideal picture that we really need because when you have so many things happening at once, it tends to, uh, you know, it's not very simplified. So this whole corruption scandal, this whole corruption deal, it does kind of boggle the mind, uh, you know, of, of me, of, of American citizens out there because there's just so much going on that it's hard to keep trace and track of the entire ordeal. So who is really at stake? Who is really the problem? Who is the one to blame? And those are some of the questions that are, are left out. And I'm hoping uh, that this FISA memo actually answers some of those questions and lists the names that we need to list that everybody already knows that we that they who is involved because you already know I already know this has come out with leakers with other information but let's get that actual tangible information to the public uh, so we can start doing something about it and I, I think that's a really good point that you make but um, definitely we need to kind of put it all together and get that image to the American people so we can take action and simplify it to take action so it just doesn't go under the radar again. Oh, you're does absolutely right. Yes, it does, very much. And let me ask you this. Let's speculate for a little bit. The State of the Union is in 24 hours from now. You have the only thing standing in the way of the FISA memo becoming public is just Donald Trump giving his thumbs up saying go ahead and release it, which he already said he would do uh, last week. Now, what do you think the chances are of Trump reading that memo at the State of the Union tomorrow. And what else do you think he's going to lay out for the American people? Well, uh, I really hope he does, you know, bring it up. I, I, because of his spunkiness and because of his unpredictability, because he, I checked his Twitter, I don't know, 15 minutes ago, I didn't see anything on there. He yeah, normally no. tweets, you know, and so he's been quiet on Twitter. It's not normal. assuming everything that's happened. I think we got a 50-50 maybe, or he may not read the whole thing. Uh, I don't foresee him reading it all, but I think he will make maybe a quote from it or a reference to it or or, or reference some kind of scandal that's going to be leaked out for the American public. Now that, I'm I'm hoping maybe like a 70% chance uh, that he'll reference it in some way, shape, or form. And ultimately, he's probably going to bring up you know, the things that he normally does, you know, encouraging, you know, jobs, uh, how, you know, it's, he's helped, you know, people of all races, colors, religions, and everything, just because the battle has been so hard from the left, and they keep painting him as this racist, so he keeps having to, you know, put that on the forefront and defend himself uh, and show, hey, you know, the, the, the black community is doing much better now than, you know, under Obama, 
which is fact. It's statistical fact. And so the claims that the left are making aren't legit. Uh, I think he's going to have some stuff to say with immigration, with the wall, maybe, uh, you know, stuff going down with all of that as well. So, uh, and, and probably the economy. I mean, these are typical things. And hopefully um, he talks a little more on the corruption and scandals. And he always seems to throw a little bit of fake news in there. So we'll probably get some of that, too. <laughs> you, you know, there was a um, reference to, who was it, Feinstein? Perhaps bringing some illegals to the State of the Union. I don't yeah. Was it Feinstein? Yeah. No, Wouldn't no, it, it was, uh, I think, Pelosi. Or Pelosi, I'm sorry. Yeah, what's the difference? Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Senator, Congressman, who cares? Now, uh, but uh, it, I think it would be fantastic if we saw actually ICE agents there arresting the illegals brought uh, brought into the state of the Union. But but that's just my dreaming. <laughs> I hope Donald Trump's listening and let's bring some ICE agents in. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's really? what um, some other people said. You know, Pelosi, if you're going to bring in uh, illegals, then. Trump should bring the ICE agents, absolutely. But, but, but you know, Lisa, and by the way, our, our guest, Lisa Haven, I'm sure everyone tuning in knows exactly who Lisa Haven is, lisahaven.news, at Lisa underscore Haven on Twitter. Uh, this is why we, we love Lisa. She's, or YouTube, I'm sorry. Lisa Haven on YouTube? Lisa Haven on, on YouTube. The screen. In addition to at Lisa Haven on Twitter. I'm sorry. All right. We, we love Lisa Haven because of her vast knowledge, spunkiness, and, of course, her companion diesel gotta toss him a bone in there okay so um where was i going with all this i i I guess uh, oh the the um uh, i happen to see this the resist movement they're planning on lining the route that donald trump is expected to take now they vary this uh from the white house to 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 uh, the Capitol tomorrow, and they plan on. Uh, Do you see this report? They plan on uh, shining flashlights into the vehicle. Have you seen any reports on that? I have not. Okay. I haven't. Um, this is an, an initiative by the Resist Movement on Facebook, where they're they're attempting to um, get get people to do this. And and I just, I, man, there's nothing good that could come of this. I, and I was just curious as to what your take might be. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, when you when you take the left in general, uh, they do some pretty crazy stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that they did. Now, I haven't seen the actual information on it, but I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, we know Antifa thugs, what they've done, uh, and they all claim to be out there doing the right thing, but it, it isn't about that. It's always some kind of violence or uh, that, that breaks out during these events, and obviously – Something needs to be done in the event that they do, and I and I'm hoping they amp up security for President Trump uh, during that event. Did you see uh, that the Democrat uh, politicians want to get flashlights? Oh, okay. You did say that. I'm sorry. I was reading something. But, yeah, this just shows the Oh, the you said the resist. I thought you said it was the resist. It's the Democrats that wanted yeah. to do that? Well, it's it's – the okay, it's the it's a subset of Democrats. It's hashtag resist. It's the resist movements, but it's ascribed to the progressives as Democrats. Pay attention. Yeah, hey, I guess I should listen. <laughs> yeah, instead of reading over here. There you go. But yeah, no, that just shows the level of immaturity that these people are at. And Lisa, I wanted to ask you too about immigration. That's really been overshadowed the last uh, few days uh, with all this other stuff going on. But we saw some Trump do something that a lot of people in his base were kind of worried about, which was. Uh, say that we want to see um, legislation for DACA 
And one of the one of the things that happened was he put forward this plan that gives the left what they want as far as amnesty for uh, the DACA, uh, 1.8 million DACA recipients. Nancy Pelosi came out and said, this is Trump trying to make America white again, which she should just resign uh, by now. I hear she's on CNN, you know, losing her mind over this memo saying the American uh, families are too busy or American people are too busy taking care of their families and don't have the expertise to read the memo. But back to immigration, uh, she made that comment, make America white again. What Trump laid out was amnesty for the 1.8 million DACA um, participants. Then you had the ending of the visa lottery program, an ending to chain migration. And Chuck Schumer and the left said, absolutely not, no deal. Well, this is exactly what Trump said he was going to do. He would, you know, uh, give and take. He wants, he'll, he'll give the left uh, some leeway on the amnesty as long as he gets funding for the border security and chain migration and the visa lottery program has ended. Well, the Democrats said, no deal. This is a terrible uh, deal. We're not going to do this. Do you think they're going to, they're going to ban? How do you, how do you see this immigration thing playing out? Because it looks like the left only wants amnesty. They don't want border security. They don't want to end chain migration. They don't want to end any of these other, uh, they want to expand all this stuff. And, and Trump well, said, I'll calls- give you some. You give me some. We'll make a deal. They say no. How does this play out? Well, that's what caused the shutdown originally, right? Mm-hmm. Over that. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I read some of that. You know, I'm, you know, I think Donald Trump did it, like what you said, exactly what he said he would when he said, okay, I'll give amnesty to the ones that are here. Let's, you know, you have to have some level of compromise. And I thought that was pretty darn good. And if he's going to give amnesty to him, let's ha- put him to pay taxes, let him stop, you know, uh, mm-hmm. sucking our health care out, do it the right way. Let's do that. And in, in, on the, on the other side of it, let's go ahead and build the wall, take care of the problem going forward. And that was a perfect situation. I think even, well, I was kind of surprised to see during the government shutdown, CNN, I was shocked out of my mind, but they put out a report, uh, and I wouldn't have believed it had I not seen it, but they put out a report actually blaming the Democrats for the shutdown because they thought the deal was, you know, pretty decent or, or that, you know, it was something they could negotiate on. Uh, so I, my jaw hit the floor that day that CNN actually put that out. Uh, but the truth is they should have, that should have been something easily done because this is asking for something that they've wanted for a long time. And I honestly think, you know, for Donald Trump to do that, it's, it's a, it's a move in which you're going to make both sides of the fence somewhat happy. And, uh, I don't think he overdid one way or the other, but the Democrats, I think altogether, they don't care what the policy is that Donald Trump is going to do. They want the American people to hate him. So they turn everything into a Nazi thing and why we had, uh, you said Pelosi who said that, right? Make that, she said that Trump's, uh, immigration plan is a plan to make America white again. Yeah. And, and that was, total opposite of whiteness, uh, you know, giving people amnesty, giving people, you know, the right to become a citizen here, total opposite, but that's what they do. It, it doesn't matter what Trump does. Let's make everything a race war, everything, uh, you know, against an anti-Donald Trump, because that's what they've painted. They want so much hate uh, built up in the American community, built up 
from the Grammys, from I'm sure they'll they'll do something at you know when we see Super Bowl <laughs> coming up. I'm not I'm not going to be surprised if we see some anti-Trump stuff, uh, considering what the NFL has done all year and, and you know off and on with a taking a knee and all that. I mean, just you know, let's focus on America, America policies and the real issues. But instead, they've taken the real issues away from Donald Trump, like he can't even discuss the real issues because they've taken the focus so far down the path of Looney Benville, uh, where it's about a black or white or Hispanic uh, race issue or Nazi, Nazi, which that's their new term for everyone. If if you don't, if you're a, a famous singer, who was it? Ta- was it Taylor Swift? Thinking it was Taylor Swift, who didn't take a stance either way yeah, with yeah, Hillary. Yeah. Or, it was Taylor Swift, right? Yeah. And so as a result, she's called a, a Nazi Trump collaborator, even though she sat on the sidelines. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Um, and since when is it, is, is it a crime to not do either? Well, it isn't. But this is the picture that they continue to paint. And unfortunately, I think it takes a lot of attention off of what Trump is trying to do, which is build back the American economy, fix what's what's been depleted over the years, and get us back on the right track, especially with immigration. Uh, and, and this is kind of the only card they've got left, and they're playing it hard. And unfortunately, uh, we have to play the card back a little bit in order to, to win that particular battle. You're right, and I have no yeah. problem with with uh you know i've heard so many people say that if trump you know makes a deal on immigration specifically with daca that he's going to be a one-term president then they're not going to vote for him and and you know i thought about that and thought about my own personal leanings and what i the conclusion i came to is well that's really not going to stop me from not or it doesn't going to turn me away from voting for for trump again uh because when we look at our options i mean let's just look at the last election your option is is to vote for uh, one of the the worst, uh, most corrupt political candidates in American history, or a uh, businessman like Donald Trump. And I assume the next election, when he runs again, we're going to have a similar type option. But either way, uh, you know, this is what he he is uh, a businessman and he is a deal maker, the art of the deal. And this is what uh, he does best. And to to have that give and take. Uh, and one thing that was very telling to me is the media, the left wing media, was silent on the left. Um, you know saying no to his immigration policy. Instead, they attacked his policy uh, and, and didn't really report on, on the whole story, but that's what we've come to expect from the media. But it'll be very interesting to see, and the, the the Democrats would be fools not to take the deal Trump laid out for him, but we'll see how that goes, and if the government on February 8th will uh, face another shutdown because of no uh, deal on DACA. But either way, I think we'll get a lot more insight on uh, where he plans to go with this issue tomorrow at the State of the Union. So uh, I can't least, wait for that. By yeah, the way. it's going to be it, it's uh, going to be one of the most anticipated. If, if, if I can just t- toss something in here because it's uh, kind of well, it's relevant to what uh, Lisa, what you said about the NFL and those taking a knee. I just find it really ironic that in 2018. Um, those people who take a knee in protest are applauded while those people who take a knee in prayer are sued. You know, it, it's, it's just totally backwards. And, and I just, I just want to toss that in there. I just, uh, it saddens me to see how far down the drain we've swirled into this, uh, sewage pit. Uh, That's so true. So true. You know, I, uh, did a report 
I don't know, a while back, and I'm going to try to remember all the stats on that, but Christian persecution in this century is on top, on top. And uh, who, I think, who, the organization, I think is the one that put it out. I'm pulling from the top of my head, but I know it's one in every 12 Christians suffer persecution or are persecuted for their faith. Now, if we think about that logically, you know, I know a hundred some odd Christians here, not a single one is persecuted. You probably know a hundred Christians here, not a single are really persecuted. When we look at that picture and we look at the international community, we know that our fellow Christian believers internationally are the ones that are getting hardcore persecuted. And to say that we're in a country, and I know Europe, obviously, uh, that whole area in here were two of the better areas for Christianity. But as we go on, we see more and more of that persecution increasing. And like you say, we take a knee for God, we're more persecuted than the NFL who gets applauded for it. That's ridiculous. And and their stance is obviously uh, for uh, against America. If you want yeah. to label it, that, that's what it is. Uh, but when when the people who are praying, you know, to God, we take a stand, you know, in prayer for our country, in prayer for our faith, in prayer for what we do, and you get persecuted for that. But it's interesting that you know we're gonna. I think over time we could slowly see uh, that persecution rise and creep into America more and more, and uh, the European countries. When we really sit down and consider on an on a on a global level, the amount of Christians that are persecuted, one in every 12, that's a pretty heavy number. Yeah, it is. And um, it, in Scripture it says, you know, all who believe in Christ Jesus shall, shall suffer persecution. So uh, it's something we should always expect as believers. But we are blessed to live in, in a place where we don't have to endure that, at least not now. And if Hillary Clinton was president, we would have definitely been much closer on that road. Man. Prepare for persecution by uh, yeah. Maria Canise. Prepare for pre- persecution. It's on Amazon. Prepare Perfect for book on this subject. Yeah, exactly. But Lisa, <laughs> we have just a few minutes left. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to get into tonight? Um. I think we covered a lot of it. There's one thing. I okay. I don't know if you guys ever follow the bulletin.org, but it's a group of scientists, Atomic Bulletin. What is it? The Bulletin of Atomic Science. That's what it is. It's an atomic science. They're a group of scientists who they set the clock, you know, the to doomsday. doomsday. Clock. The doomsday clock. Well, All I right. read the entire report of why they set this thing to two minutes, and you're gonna, your, your jaw's going to drop, but... Um, I was almost like, really? This is what causes, you know, us to go two minutes to midnight. But I'm going to try to make it short. What Trump do this time? time. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) That's what it was. 1953, you know, 1953 was the last time they did it. And and, and, uh, I think we had discovered or were testing the H-bomb. The Soviet unions had tested their first H-bomb. I mean, we were pretty intense there. That was the two-minute marker back in 1953. And it's not been set to that since then. Well, the reason... And I'm quoting straight from their source. Uh, people can look up the bulletin.org. They can pull it up. But it says, and I'm going to read it. There has been a breakdown in the international order, a.k.a. New World Order, that has been dangerously exuberated by recent U.S. actions. Ergo, Trump. In 2017, the U.S. backed away from its longstanding leadership role in the world, reducing its commitment to seek common ground and undermining the overall effort towards solving 
global governance. That's your new world order challenges. So basically, in a nutshell, it goes on from there. Uh, but the problem, the reason they set it to two minutes to midnight is because Donald Trump is president and he doesn't want to be part of the new world order or the global governance, <laughs> international order. That was their reasoning. And not only that, but they said because he exited the Paris uh, climate agreement. That was their second reasoning. I'm like, like, okay. <laughs> well, they're obviously scientists, good scientists. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I, I mean, this is the see. This is what when we look at the divide in in our. I guess it's not even in our country. It's in the world at this point. You have those who uh, support and like Trump, and then you have those who hate him. And there's really no middle ground uh, in here. And apparently, this also extends to uh, Western Europe and and all around the globe as the doomsday clock is closer to midnight because Trump won't become part of the new world order, which does create a problem with the elites and could create other uh, conflicts that we see. It's not North Korea, I guess, as you said. You're not Russia. It's He won't be a part of the New World Order. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were listed in there, but, I mean, there was so much like USA, Trump, New World Order in there. I was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sounds about right. Lisa Haven. LisaHaven.news is her website, at Lisa underscore Haven on Twitter, and, of course, YouTube. Uh, her YouTube channel so popular, incredibly popular. I'll tell you what, it's show prep for us. Uh, we love your videos. We love your work. And uh, I'll tell you what, we, we just uh, we, we think a lot of your analysis and measured uh, analysis and research. So we thank you for your gracious gift of time and, and for uh, uh, bringing Diesel on as well. We, we uh, thank a lot of him, too. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for, for bringing me on. I really appreciate you guys. Lisa, thank you so very much. Great and, hour. Uh, yeah, indeed it was. LisaHaven.news is the website. Lisa Haven on YouTube and at Lisa underscore Haven on Twitter. That's right. We, we've only have like a minute left and uh, just, just in closing. Show it fast. Yeah, it did. We will keep you apprised uh, of the, uh, the release of the FISA memo. Look, 24-7, we're on this. Um, we will let you know about this. And, of course, you're going to wonder, as you said, Joe, State of the Union address, the release of that, uh, the, the text. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump has that in his office. President Trump has it. And as Lisa said, no, we'll, twi no Twitter. No Twitter. From the, That's from right. The president, which is very rare yeah. and may, leaving many to wonder, um, you know, if he's going to save it all for tomorrow. See, I, I, I haven't tweeted in five days, and that's deliberate, but uh, I'll, I'll pick it up again tomorrow. And speaking of tomorrow, 9 o'clock Eastern, tune in to the Doug Hagman Radio Show on Global Star Radio Network, as well as BTR, Blog Talk Radio, and then 2 to 3, John and Joe in the Hagman Daily Show. And, of course, join us back tomorrow night when we um, do concurrent coverage with the State of the Union as well as the run-up to the State of the Union. It's going to be a fabulous uh, three shows tomorrow. Join us. We ask that you click the subscribe button on YouTube. We also ask that you follow us, our respective shows, on Blog Talk Radio. There's a follow button for each of our shows. Please follow us. Please do that. And please support our sponsors who, in turn, help us get the show out to you. And we also want to mention this week, uh, this Sunday, Patreon members uh, will have a sit-down fireside chat. I'll even uh, mm -hmm. uh, start uh, behind be a me. I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, bust up a, uh, a micro-dense and, and you know, put on fire, and we'll have a fireside chat. And believe right? it or not, this is our third one. 
And believe it or not, we need more people to come on and interact with us. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of people that join us, but some don't interact. Maybe for whatever reason, some are are shy. Some don't want the, uh, maybe some doesn't have the the hookups, the microphone and the, who knows. But we need, uh, it's a really cool thing. Maybe we can put together a little screenshot to show you guys one of these broadcasts, how it works. But uh, we guarantee if you come on and you join us on the Patreon broadcast, you can ask us uh, as many questions as you want. Yes, and and we we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We thank you. You know, Greg Evenson passed away last Friday or Saturday morning. Uh, keep him in your prayers, and and we need people like Greg Evenson. We we thank him for all of his work. He, he's he, he's done so much. Um, but pray for his family, and just understand too. Look, we only have so many days. And we don't know when our days are up. So we have to make the most of it. So kiss your wife or kiss your husband. Tell them how much you love them. And make sure that you make sure that they know. Yeah, the, the family is so important. And you know what? All all of you, so important to us. Thank you for your support. Whether it's a prayer, a note, an email, or financial support, we thank you. I just, uh, you guys are great. With that, See you tomorrow.